everything <laughs> wrong. Welcome to Get Some Color, where everybody knows you're gay. And we're, we're, we're we now pr- are proudly sponsored by Toyota Motors of Japan, the Japanese people. They're great industrious masters of, of commerce, and, and they're, they're harder working than we are. And you should respect them, because they're the most respectful people in this entire planet. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Getting Some Color. And uh, you might see a little bit of different ways we say things in episode that that's because we're going to be cutting things some down so uh we have a new segment name for our news it's called the first blood report and we are going to get into some wrestling news this is where all the wrestling news has is said here on getting some color and let's get to the first blood of the story i will go first (laughs) in first blood so many firsts happening right now uh yes no first blood. <laughs> just take a. Just, just take a. Could you fork. be like Ric Flair? Could you just punch yourself in the head and basically bleed on command? Uh, just, <laughs> it's a hard shot. Like, where's my fork? Fuck. <laughs> so. Cool to butcher that shit. So there was a lot of wrestling that happened. We have one person who went to an AEW Dynamite uh, show, uh, uh, and we also have Ric Flair's uh, final match. Is it his final match? I don't know. He said so, but is it? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not going to go by each card. Uh, obviously, I want to talk about the bunkhouse brawl. Um, it's kind of like the battle royale, uh, but the winner gets like a, a, a boot and a fucking belt buckle as the winner. Um, I heard it's an old tradition uh, in wrestling. And uh, fucking GCW invaded fucking that bunkhouse brawl. So MDK was there. Um, all the G- GCW people. Uh, Bully Ray was there. There was a clown. Uh, Mick Foley showed up. Uh, Undertaker was in the stands. Bret Hart was there. Bret Hart didn't get mentioned, though. Kind of pissed me off a little bit. Why? What the fuck is that? Well... Flair did mention him in his post-match speech, so mm-hmm. at, least, at least there was that. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's a big deal. Brett's Brett's first major world title, he went off Flair. So that, they they used to have heat. Big deal. They, they fucking buried the hatchet, I guess. Yeah, Brett Brett's, Brett's buried with everybody except for Goldberg. Fuck Goldberg, right? Yeah, he still he still hates him, I guess. <laughs> Bill Goldberg. <laughs> Bill That's Gold- funny because Goldberg, you know how A and E does those documentaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just did one on Goldberg, and he pretty much said like, "Yeah, I basically they basically threw me in there, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I was learning on the job." <laughs> and he's like, "I want Brett to show me what to do, like, because I know he was a veteran, he respected him and shit." And he was like, I didn't mean to hurt him. I told him I'm sorry. I don't know how many more times I can apologize for it. And then Brett's like, yeah, I still hate his guts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know how much of that. Like, the problem there is you look at the timing of when he gets in. At, by the time Brett is even in the company and, and Goldberg's getting this huge push and they're even feuding it all, Goldberg is already, like, nuclear. He's, like, white hot in terms of favorability. He's so over with everyone. He's... He's just winning so much. And at that point, like, the ego sets in, too. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he probably he thinks he's hot shit because they're they're pushing him that way. Um, it doesn't mean he's a bad guy. I think he's probably done a lot of a lot of good things in terms of charity work and other stuff, too, uh, at least from uh, some other articles, other stuff I've seen. But, 
you know, that's that's not the here nor there. You don't know how the backstage stuff worked then, and 20 years later talking about it. So. You, you, you got to see it from, like, a point of view. Like, he was getting pushed to the fucking moon. He, got, he had that streak. Uh, every time he came out, fucking the, the whole fucking arena popped. I'm not a Goldberg mark, but, like, I understand the business of what Eric Bischoff did with him. And I I think that probably got to his head. And then when he finally got into the ring with someone like Bret Hart, he probably was like, fuck it, I could do this. And then he fucked up. Uh, I still remember the part where he fucking punched a fucking window and it wasn't a work. And he fucking broke his hand. I was like, good, fuck you. <laughs> oh, yeah, he had those, like, terrible gashes. He was out. Like, actually, that, like, pretty much derailed the rest of his career in WCW. Mm-hmm. Like that happened and he was just like on the shelf for a while and then by the time he got back things were just fucking insane in WCW it was like the downward spiral so yeah he never he, he never really quite recovered after the the Kevin Nash cattle prod fucking victory anyway mm-hmm. nah especially that was followed by finger poke of doom that that I mean that was actually just the turning point anyway for WCW but that's a it's a whole different thing but we'll get there one day one day eventually <laughs> getting some color 2028 yes yeah. <laughs> until we get uncle eric full-time um oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway back to rick flair's last match um so the match itself was fucking scary as shit like in the beginning like obviously they did the whole tag thing every time jay lethal was in there andrade was in the match uh, Jeff Jarrett did some things with Andrade, which I was like surprised about for some strange reason, but he like actually kept up with Andrade. So Jeff Jarrett still has it. Uh, Dude, I mean, Jeff Jarrett doesn't look like he aged fucking at all since the last time I saw him in the ring. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And, and he did a bunch of things that, you know, because there's a 72 year old fucking Ric Flair in the ring, like he made it. He, he, like, went all the way up to the entrance. He's like, I'm leaving. I'm gone. That's it. And then, like, uh, Jeff Jarrett's wife had to go get him uh, and say, go back in the ring. Don't be, like, essentially, don't be a pussy. <laughs> he's, like, I, he's like, I'm regrouping. I'm taking a breather. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's something I, I listened to something after, too. Uh, just other reports of people that were there and talking about how Jeff Jarrett, like, worked that crowd so hard. Like it was, some people were saying, like, and these are people in the business too. They have not seen a crowd be like worked like that for a long time. Yeah, he uh, when he was coming down the ramp on his entrance, he took someone's drink and poured it in their face, <laughs> and then the dude went fucking nuts. And it wasn't a work. Oh no, it's a shoot. And then he was like, "Yeah," I and the guy was mad, and he's like, "I'll beat your ass. Come on out here." Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. old school heat. Like yeah, it was actually like. There were people like this is how you know you you have true heat when whenever you fall down and the stands like the people in the, like right there immediately on the floor if they're not already on their feet stand up to see what happened to you because they want you to get punched in the face that badly that's when you know you've got the heat and that's exactly <laughs> what happened yeah meanwhile you've got I, I don't want to talk badly of Ric Flair in this regard just because it's like uh, also hearing now like apparently he was like collapsing during training. And like working his ass off with Jay Lethal uh, to get ready for this. And what's crazy is Jay Lethal like didn't know that he was preparing for something like this for a while. He was just thought that Rick wanted to get back into shape and just wanted to be in the ring. And then it turned into the, what it did. Um, I, yeah, it was hard to watch, but that's yeah. just because of the context. How many other you know seventy year olds are you going to have in there moving around 
um, and if you know, given what Rick Flair's been through, I was um, I was just scared because like there was little moments where he was shaking, like he was spazzing out, and I'm like, oh no, this is this is how he's going. I mean, like I that that that's how he would want to go in the ring, I think. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to see Ric Flair die on live TV. Like, what is going on here? Uh, the ending was uh, like. Listen, I understand the rep wanted to end it pretty, because he probably saw what I saw and every, what everybody else saw of him just collapsing and, and spazzing out. Both They were doing the figure four, both Jeff Jarrett, I think it was Jeff Jarrett, uh, and Ric Flair, and both shoulders were laid flat. And like he counted one, two, three, but counted it for Ric Flair, obviously. But I, I, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, ah. I was like, that's a draw. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> but I'm like, I understand it's Ric Flair's match. And then, like, even after that, I was still worried because everyone else, like, the one part that, like, really scared me is when Conrad uh, threw the fucking brass knuckles at Andrade uh, when the referee was uh, occupied. And, like, Andrade was, like, trying to give the brass knuckles to Ric Flair, and Rick was not there. Uh, either A, he was, like, trying to reactivate his pacemaker mid-match, uh, or, like, because, like, Andrade was, like, speaking fucking perfect English, like, hey, Rick, hey, Rick, brass knuckle, brass knuckle. And, like, eventually he put it on, but it looked like he put it on backwards, the brass ring, uh, the brass uh, knuckles. And then, obviously, Jeff Jarrett sold it like a champ. Um, and then that's when the figure four happened. Uh, it was funny. He's like he kept the brass knuckles on while he had the fucking figure four going, uh, but like I I forgive him. But I, I was just glad that he was alive, uh, and he did the Ric Flair most. Uh, what he always does after an emotional match, he cried, uh, and then he says he's gonna get drunk with Kid Rock after the match. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I saw. Um... I saw a post. People were just trying to like, you know how someone will put a picture up and they'll say wrong answer, describe this wrong answers only. Mm. And it was that picture of uh, Rick in the corner. And you can see Undertaker in the background giving him the stare. And it said, uh, like one of the comments was, uh, uh, what was it? retired Teletubby is uh, being beaten to death while a biker gives him the Care Bear stare. Dude. Under what? I was like, what? <laughs> what, what, what? What's funny is like you have Bret Hart smiling. Like Bret Hart was actually looked like he, he was having legit fun watching the match. Then you have Mick Foley, who's like always needs to look for the camera. Like bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I'm better. This is better than fucking SummerSlam. That was actual uh, quote he said in the beginning of the Ric Flair uh, last match card. And then you go look at the Undertaker, and he just staring into the darkness like <laughs> i thought for i thought for a second like i thought taker was gonna help out rick flair maybe um uh, because like there was no smile from undertaker like i it, yeah. it, it's kind of like i'm here only for my friend and only for my friend only i do not want to watch this garbage card of a fucking show uh remember that time remember that time taker told us about how he and big show went on that that long desert run on their motorbikes. They went out and I don't know what happened. They became one with the coyote or some bullshit. Mm. Clearly, peyote was involved. Maybe some acid. I'm pretty sure all of it reactivated less 
or not last night, but on Sunday. Because that's what he looked. He he looked out of it. He he. And I don't know if it was out of the fear, like he was actually like like he said. Like I'm sure there are plenty of people that watched that and were terrified. I I went back and watched it after I knew it was safe. I, I decided not to rinse it and watch it live because I was that afraid of watching it. Um, because I really didn't want to see that. I feel traumatized by seeing Owen Hart die live. That was awful. Mm-hmm. as a kid but uh you know this is something that's like we you can totally stop this but i'm glad it worked out that nothing happened um that being said you know i would trust people to a certain point with their testimony of hey we were here live and this was great and then we had a blast because live shows are way more fun than when you watch them at home mm. and guess what i watched live yesterday AEW dynamite yeah i got to go yeah. to the show in columbus so Segway, but uh, before we go to that, do we want to talk about any anything else about the Ric Flair match? No, it's just funny that like seeing Conrad be part of the storyline and just see someone the size of me uh, like trying to get it with fucking J- Jeff Jarrett. Uh, and uh, he's got the hookup, man. He's yeah, got, he's got all the streaming stuff, or you know, the podcast game going, and you know, he's Ric Flair's his father-in-law. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. I I gotta admit two things, Conrad. Good job landing that wife but boy he, he's i mean she's a little thick but damn uh so is he? yeah I mean, he's mega thick but uh <laughs> but <laughs> dummy thick yeah uh and my second thing is was the it be- together and was it <laughs> and was it because wwe that charlotte couldn't be there or does charlotte really fucking hate rick flair rick flair really like oh I, I thought charlotte was there i didn't see her unless they didn't put the camera on her no, which I had heard reports before. Flair did an interview. Uh, I think it was with Busted Open Radio, uh, and had they confirmed that Charlotte would, if she would be there, but she would not be on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's exactly what you'd said. WWE wouldn't allow it. That and- makes sense. That's fine. I mean, Jeff Jarrett's kind of protected, right? Like he's covered, but you don't want to put a live performer, or they don't want one of their live performers on television with, you know, it being associated with so many other promotions. Yeah. Was um, what? So, I get that. White Claw Tony was there, right? Yeah, Tony Khan was there. Yeah, I saw a video of like Ric Flair like hugging everybody, and like Tony Khan was just like waiting for that hug, and he never got it. Oh, <laughs> and you can see the disappointment. Uh, but I, I laughed. I was like, "Oh, you missed Tony." <laughs> he probably like, because I bet you there was like a deal at some point that Ric Flair was supposed to come in, and because the helicopter dick on that that one episode probably derailed it, and he probably oh, got yeah. pissed off. There were heavy rumors he was going to come in and be the manager for Andrade, and then that that dropped that mm. uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode dropped, and it kind of ruined things. My understanding is that he and he and Tony are, are on good terms, especially because to him, Tony idolizes Ric Flair. Mm. Part of why he had him there, but I would I would honestly wonder if it's not even that. I would imagine it had more to do with Warner Brothers is not going to let certain things on the television. For instance. Um, uh, what's the tag team FTR just faced? The Briscoes. Um, because of the things that came to light about things they said a, like a decade ago, um, Warner Brothers, Warner Media is just like, nope, they're not going to be on live television. So the Briscoes are basically blackballed from being on AEW. However, they are signed with a Ring of Honor. They have, they, uh, listen, I understand Image, but like they are real, like they're good tag teams, and I think they need good tag teams in fucking AEW. They ain't got any room to fucking talk when they're pushing Ezra Miller and the fucking Flash. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. Like I, 
Like I'm not. I'm just saying that's just that is the corporate decision. I'm not saying yeah, I agree yeah, yeah. It is, but but uh, but I agree. I would I would debate. I mean, I think the Briscoes definitely deserve to be there because they are one of the best tag teams in the world. But mm. I don't know if I would say AEW is desperate to have tag teams. That's actually the problem is they have too many tag teams. True. Um, hopefully the, the six man thing will help uh, alleviate that. But they could, use, they could use more good tag teams like them. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about all that. I, no, I, have, no, no, no. I have the ones that I like. I have the ones that I like. I, I overall, I think their their tag team division is still probably their strongest uh, division overall. But I guess so. Since we're there, AEW, what happened? Yeah. So uh, the show was a blast. Um, I have not had a chance yet. I was considering coming back and watching back later because you know one of the big things with a live show versus watching is you don't have any of the commentary and i've noticed too that there are it looks like there are certain bits that they don't air for the fans during the shows i've I've called that now on two things so it's actually a good thing to watch because for instance uh just an example miro cut a promo to help advance the stuff with the house of black that didn't happen live we didn't see it at all so i had no idea it happened um, they had other things that were going on at the time, like, I guess, in the background while that was there, but it just didn't air at all for, for us. Um, there were a couple others like that. There were some that did air, which is why I was confused. John Moxley cut a promo that was that was backstage, and it was shown, but that wasn't it. So that was a little confusing. But, uh, yeah, the show was great, though. Um, I had great seats right in the corner behind um, one of the posts of the ring, but uh, not, like, on the floor, like, just in the first level. Um, and for whatever reason, the row we were in is like the row right where the second row from where the, uh, uh, the rail is. And there was no one in the front, the seats in the front row ahead of me, which is perfect. So, like, you know, the obvious thing with the social context would be stand up when everyone else does for certain things. But at one point I just didn't give a fuck. It's like, I don't have nobody blocking my view. I'm not getting up. My fat ass can barely stand up and sit down in these seats. So I'm going to sit down and clap. I'll, I'll, I'll yell and clap my ass off for things, but I, I just not going to stand. So, um, so I'm sure I got caught in camera sitting there with my, my nuts hanging out. But, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, they taped dark elevation, uh, prior to the live show, mostly squash matches. Um, but they had a couple of bits that happened. Um, so, uh, this kind of ties in some of the news uh, yesterday, too. AEW uh, announced um, new um, titles for uh, the talent and like, backstage uh, executives. And uh, so some people got um, raises, like their vice president of, of creative and different things. Effectively, this is to help with some of those creative decisions and to help with the communication issue that they've had within the company. Um, so I think it's a good move overall. Um it looked like um, Sanjay Dutt and QT Marshall were both the VPs that were that were hired. Um, Pat Buck was another that was that was given a, a new position, and then they the new hire who is now one of the senior women's coaches. Um, she is um, I'm making sure I say it right. Madison Rain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, former uh, TNA um, women's. Uh, champion and uh apparently she had holds the record for the most or ha- at one point held the record for the most knockouts uh tag title uh championships so uh it's like a really good um asset for them to pick up they cut a promo where they introduced her to everyone because she's from columbus it's kind of cool uh but she got interrupted by stokely hathaway and jade cargill 
And that was when she gave the surprise announcement that she's not only hired as a coach, but she's actually also hired as a wrestler. And they went ahead and set up a match this Friday. She's going to debut on Rampage. Um, and it looks like they're setting up uh, later on that she may take on Jade in a big match. Um, so that'll be kind of neat. Um, there were a couple of um, couple of good matches. Uh, Parker Boudreau or Harlan from uh, former NXT and WWE um, actually uh, had a match. And he looks insane. Like, I don't mean that as in he looks like a bald guy with a, wearing a jacket and he's silent and looks like he's the next Michael Myers. I mean, he actually looks like the future Brock Lesnar. He, he looked nuts. Um, so I, I have no, it's like, I, you could show a two minute video of his squash match. How he just brutalized this guy. And then it just makes you wonder what the fuck was Vince thinking? <laughs> like, he didn't want literally, I guess, no, I mean, to me, that's like the perfect thing. Like you literally, you literally have the WrestleMania two years from now. If you can keep Brock around WrestleMania 40 could literally have been the two of them. You remember when Hogan and giant had the monster truck duel. They could have yeah. had a practice duel. Oh, and you mean when, the, yeah, when Giant d- debuted and won the title? Yeah. <laughs> After he was thrown off a building or thrown off the monster truck and we thought he died and he came back and the Yate came. Yeah, I, yeah I, those are some ups and downs. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I I think it'd be really cool to have seen him. I just, in general, it's just like compared to like some of the monsters that get pushed, it's like, how in the world did you get that wrong? Like, what was the thought process of, oh, well, I'm going to make him mute and I'm going to cut his hair and shave him completely bald. And I'm going to just make him wear very concerning outfits and make him look like he like reads manuscripts that were written by Charles Manson. Like that, <laughs> That's what he looked like. His character didn't look intimidating. His character just looked like a psycho. Instead of putting like a SWAT stick on his forehead, he puts like a triangle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and guess what? You know what he did last night when he came out? He came out wearing fucking MMA uh, shorts and he's got the giant chest tattoo and he literally looks like Brock Lesnar and just in a different like it's like the alternate universe Brock Lesnar and not in a bad way like he he looked great um so I don't know that that was a really cool thing to see um Mance Warner which you didn't bring him up uh the name specifically but he was in that bunkhouse brawl mm-hmm. um and uh he's a big uh DCW guy uh he debuted on Dark Elevation and it also ties in later. He's actually facing John Moxley Friday um, on Rampage, um, but it looks like there's there's something going on there. I don't think they've announced him officially being signed to AEW, but that's it's pretty quick progression. So um, he got a massive pop. Like I actually was kind of surprised. I saw it and he came out. Um, his, his music hit and uh, like there were a bunch of hardcore people apparently there. Like there were there was actually a, a CZW chant. Like, so you have some faithful, like, hardcore wrestling fans there uh, uh, in the area, which was weird. Because then people in the crowd that were like, what's CZW? Uh, which I thought was kind of funny. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and someone was like, he's a deathmatch wrestler. And they're like, oh, okay, I get it now. He's hardcore. <laughs> he's hardcore. Cool. He's yes, hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Um, right before the show started, uh, FTR comes out. Um, huge pop. It's great. Um they come out just quickly talk to everyone cut a kind of a face promo uh they aren't clear to compete at the moment because uh of the injuries from the the pay-per-view they had um dax hardwood comes out in a chest protector he's got like the rib protector on and stuff um but uh but yeah they're they're still over as fuck um fuck yeah 
So, then we talked before about it. Uh, I remember what it was, so. Um, I was going to pull up my phone to go over the, the match reviews. Um, the uh, matches themselves were, were great. Uh, the opener was um, Orange Cassidy and Jay Lethal. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, which, again, was, uh, you know, Jay Lethal being hot off of the, the Ric Flair thing. And they did have a little bit of, like, story kind of tied to this um, where uh, earlier the best friends wrestled um, and Jay Lethal and, and uh, oh, what big fucker, the Punjabi Playboy 2.0. I can't remember his name. <laughs> um, you know who I'm talking about. The Great Khali uh, 2. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what did you say, Zach? I said low T gender Mahal. He's, he's got to have more T. No, he doesn't have more T. Have you seen gender Mahal? Have you fucking seen him? Yeah, he, he's a foot shorter than this guy. This that's guy has, that's all, this got guy has all the tea. That's got nothing to do with tea. That's just fucking, no, that's just genetics. It's all about the look. I bet he looks like a bunch of sh- big pile of shit underneath all those clothes. We, we won't go into how. We won't go into why testosterone actually does matter regarding your height, but it's all about timing, but that's that's a different thing. But, yes, uh, we'll, we'll go with it. Low T, low T Jinder Mahal mm. with his, his big old ears. He came out and uh, – I, sw- I swear to God, the guy's earlobes are larger than Adam Cole's biceps. Like, <laughs> that's not hard to do, though. I mean, it's it. <laughs> that's right. But but really though, a troll to side, like he's he's got some big fucking ears, but he's also massive. Like the guy, like he he looks way bigger live than he does on television. Holy shit, he's huge. Um. Anyway, uh, their match actually was really good. Uh, Orange Cassidy's over as hell. Everyone's. Uh, cheering for him, wanting him to win. At one point, uh, big dude comes out. He's going to intimidate and get interfered. And the best friends come out, and they go with the full comedy act. It was so funny. They literally came out on each other's shoulders wearing a trench coat. So they were taller than him. And it was funny as fuck. Uh, and uh, Sanjay Dutt looked like he was going to climb on dude's shoulders, and they were going to have a chicken fight on top of the ramp. Uh, it, it was weird, nutty stuff, but it didn't happen. Anyway, uh, they actually pulled a Bret Hart angle in this match, which is kind of <laughs> cool. Uh, this is where the first of the Bret Hart things came from. Fucking uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they did, but it was it was a good one. It was a good. It's one that's not overdone. It's not it's not overdone. So uh, you're gonna I'm gonna say it. You're like that's totally overdone, but it's not. And we don't have time to go into why it's not. But uh, uh, Jay Lethal gets Orange Cassidy out, outside, throws him into the steps, and then. Um, vaults into him and like is messing his leg up. I, I want to say it's his right leg. Um, so, you know, now he's just working the leg the rest of the time. Cassidy starts to make his comeback, tries to finally get, get the setup to go for the orange punch, but he falls because he can't keep the weight on his leg. Um, uh, Jay Lethal hits a, uh, one other move and then goes for lethal injection, which I don't care what anybody thinks about Jay Lethal. The guy is really good in the ring, and that move is cool as fuck. Uh, and he gets the three, like a clean three count. I was very surprised. I actually yelled the same phrase like two or three times because I didn't expect a couple of the match results the way they went. But this was the first one. Like, well, shit, they gave it to him. So Jay Lethal wins. They decide to go ahead and beat up on Orange Cassidy. The best friends are coming back out to save him. Not going to lead to much. Wardlow comes out. And this sets up uh, the Battle of the Belts event, which is happening on Saturday, uh, which one of the premier specials they're doing, um, Wardlow versus uh, Jay Lethal for the, for the TNT Championship. 
So it had it had its reason for happening. It was fine, and I don't think Orange Cassidy is hurt there because again they went for the angle where he's he clearly got injured, and they they worked that. I think that's that's that is the like foundational way for a face to to take a loss without having the loss substantially harm them. Um, or, you know, or otherwise you, you have to resort to the whole distraction and, and bullshit finishes, which I think, again, diminishing returns. So, um, yeah. so anyway, I like that match a lot. Um, I want to say I rated, I rated that a seven. And I also put the caveat of seeing it live at least added probably a half to, to a full, like, rating, like, number, just because I, I would have probably rated it less if I watched it at home, but live it was, the environment and atmosphere was cool. So um, let's see. Next match was uh, I may have a little out of order. The squash match with Hobbs. He just squashed a random jobber. Uh, Ricky Starks comes out and does like the coolest thing. There's no there's no exposition. He's not waiting for the camera to watch him while he comes out. He comes out angry as fuck because Hobbs, you know, turned on him last week. Comes out and he just comes fist flying, just trying to beat the hell out of Hobbs. Problem is Hobbs is built like a uh, brick should house so eventually he just picks him up and, and spine busters him and that's that oh um th- th- did it come off in the live event because like taz like was on commentary he's like hey i just want you to know that hook uh powerhouse hobbs and ricky stocks i wish him the best of luck but team taz is dead and that's it <laughs> yeah so none of that came up across um you know, Hobbs got the uh, got like a new intro and didn't wear orange, which I thought it kind of sold a little bit of that. But mm. they didn't announce anything. He got the Cody Rhodes uh, intro. He came through the middle, which he looked badass. Uh, but uh, but yeah, um, Ricky's over. So his his face turn is official. Everybody was behind him, and I don't know how the crowd sounded live because I, I mean, or on television, I didn't get to watch it, but it was loud as fuck in there. Like it was very loud. Uh, so um, that was that was really cool. Um, to hear that reaction for him, for both of them, really, because Hobbs got the heat. People, people are loud about that. Um, and yeah, I heard later, yeah, Taz effectively said, "Yeah, they they acted upon themselves to do everything they did. I'm not going to have you know a bunch of children doing whatever, yada yada. I wish them the best, but that's it. Which is fine. Uh, yeah. We'll see how that goes. But uh, let's see. I didn't rate it, the match because squash. Uh, next, which was surprising, um, with within a half hour of the show actually going, they actually had a women's match instead of waiting until that, like that, like dead spot. Um, and it was actually, I think in my opinion, it was the best match of the night um, in terms of the actual like in ring stuff. I was very surprised. Um, uh, funny enough, there's a redneck probably three rows down for me in the crowd. And he is in fucking infatuated with Jamie Hayter. Well, so am I. <laughs> yeah. No, no, okay, don't get me wrong. I, I like her too, and I'm glad she's getting her due, but you don't get it. Like, this guy is constantly just yelling, get the fuck off her. Jamie, you get in there, you whoop her ass. Like, he is just like, it, it actually sounds like he might be her boyfriend. Fucking awesome. Like, it, it was great. It, it, like, by the end of it, we were all like joking and saying that we're all now a part of the Jamie Appreciation Society. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, that. Their match, I, I know I'm lingering a lot on these matches. I, I won't go through a lot of the details, but uh, that match didn't go the way I thought it would. I thought they were going to set up um, something where Storm would um, would finish and then maybe one or both teams would turn on it, on themselves because um, they've been kind of teasing the hater Britt Baker turn for a while, but it looks like they, they were actually able to pick up the, the win. Um, and, and Jamie Hayter looked good. She, she had a couple of really good spots. She's really, really strong. 
yeah. like a lot of power moves, uh, which looked really good. A lot of deadlifting. Uh, so I'm really hoping that when they decide eventually to pull the trigger and split her and Britt, they actually decide to push her because I think she she deserves it. Um, but uh, that was that second old shit. I did not expect that match to go that way. So um, she had, she had Tony Storm and Jamie Hader in the same match. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh huh. Yeah, that was good. I, I t- attempted and failed to get a Thunderstruck chant going. Um, for those who don't know what that is, you know, the ACDC song Thunderstruck. I'm dead set on the fact that that should be what Thunder Rose's theme is. And I've heard the crowds do it before where you go, Thunder. Whoa, 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 whoa. I tried like twice, never got anyone to do it. Everyone wanted to keep doing the Thunder Rose DMD chant, which. I, whatever, it's fine. Except that one guy, you're like, Jamie Hater, fuck me. I, actually, yeah. Like, even <laughs> when she cheated, she ran over and, like, did something, and the ref caught her, and he's like, ref, you blind motherfucker, she didn't do anything. She's doing, abiding by the rules. Like, That's fucking <laughs> awesome. Like, <laughs> up, like, she needs to find him and make him a manager. <laughs> like, this guy's on her side. So, uh, then uh, we had the Young Bucks uh, and the Undisputed Elite segment. Uh, of course, Adam Cole returned. I, mean, I got this a little out of order. I think this actually happened before, but um, Adam Cole comes out because this thing about loyalty to me it just looks like a very obvious setup that they're going to turn on the Bucks. Mm. Uh, I guess some people after I, again I'm, the angle I'm looking at it always looked like Red Dragon was always positioning themselves behind the Bucks. So to me, it always just looked very clear. But I guess from the view from television, it's different. But uh, anyway. Um, it was disappointing. Cole uh, clearly didn't gain any mass while he was gone, so he didn't listen to Booker T at all. Shame, shame. Yeah. Shucky ducky. Quack, quack. Why would you listen uh, to your in this business? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why you'd listen to the veterans, but... Uh, <laughs> and, I, and, I, of course, I'm, like, just being facetious. I'm trolling. Like, I, I, I actually like Adam Cole. I think there are other things that, that actually are, are limiting him more, but that's that's a different discussion. I, but. I loved Adam Cole. It's just he came over there, and then it's like it. he's just diminished. Yeah, well, I think he, he's still trying to do the same thing. Um, hopefully, they're going to move into something else. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, he cut the promo about uh, he and he announced that he isn't medically cleared to compete in the six man. Neither is Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly. Um, it sets up how they like said, well, the Bucks can't compete because they're not going to physically allow them to. They turn on him. I was really hoping this is where Kenny would return, um, but I'm also okay with with Paige turning. At, you know teaming back up with them I had, I had the segment where he comes out and saves them was cool um and it got a good reaction too um let's see uh that was immediately following that was the moxley promo which was badass uh moxley telling people that he's he one way or another someone's going in an ambulance and it might be him i just i don't know i always like how he, I, I, yeah. I eat bones i'm gonna fucking kick your ass he doesn't do any of that shit but he does win yeah, it's Mad Max. Yeah, well, and I've learned something. There's like three truths in the world: it's death, taxes, and someone's gonna bleed in a in a John Moxley match, and it's probably gonna be him. Like within two minutes, he's forehead bleeding, which is great. Um, We're getting there. We're getting there, Andy. Yeah, you want to see something wrong? Go find an episode of Hell's Kitchen or something. And you can yell all about how it's undercooked or whatever. It's fucking is. raw. <laughs> but uh, let's see the. Um, the next match was definitely the worst match of the night. Uh, I did not need to time travel back to 2002 and watch uh, Matt Hardy and Christian Cage fight. Um, that match was it was serviceable, but it was not very not very entertaining. Uh, the guy behind me uh, was yelling uh, 
was yelling Jeff Hardy for Triple Crown DUI champion. <laughs> That's the greatest thing ever. And then someone was like, what do you mean? And he explained how he's gotten a DUI and been kicked out of three different companies. And then we were making a joke that the, the belt is like made out of like, uh, like car parts that, of cars he wrecked. And it's held in a Crown Royal bag. It was, like, it was super fucked up. It was really funny. Uh, oh my god! I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put the blame on Matt Hardy for that match though. Yeah, that, Christian. Oh, yeah. We've seen Christian have matches in AEW, and they've been like decent to pretty good. Yeah, no, Christian. Christian carried that match, and it's. I mean, Matt Hardy just needs to settle. I think more into a manager in a backstage role. He doesn't need to be wrestling anymore. He can't move. His hips are just busted. He's got that dad bod, too. I I I respect the hell out of him, but it's like, you just can't do it anymore, man. Like, and it's hard to watch. Like, um, so that's, that's my thing is that it was just kind of difficult to watch overall. Clearly Christian was carrying that match in terms of the the pace and everything. Um, They did eventually get the, uh, he was going to do the concerto. uh, Dark Luchasaurus comes out. Um, I can't remember what my joke was before Black War Greymon or whatever. I think I was, I was gonna make a Digimon reference about how they turn him into a black dinosaur, but um, but anyway, uh, the Jungle Boy actually was the one to sneak back in the ring and and uh, and attack him and stuff. Uh, Jungle Boy was over as hell. Uh, I was actually right in like where I was is right above where Jungle Boy like snuck out, and then where I was like two rows or something like right behind where christian cage was so i haven't watched it yet but i'm probably on live tv again nuts just hanging out whatever but uh we'll see um i'm gonna uh really i want to finish up because i've got two i think two more matches to talk about but before i get there i gotta tell you the story of how i had uh i almost get kicked out and i had my my sign confiscated so Uh-oh. yeah Shit. so I kicked out of something again yeah, well, hold on. It's a little backstory. So when I went to my first AEW event in Jacksonville, I saw a guy who brought a whiteboard. He brought the, the dry erase board. That's fucking perfect. It's genius, right? Well, it's too genius. I saw that and did not even think twice. Like, oh, that's the coolest thing ever. This guy was like right in the front, like really close to me there, was writing funny stuff up. It was fine. Turns out that guy actually was like a close family friend with the company. So he was given permission because they were like, oh, we trust you to not do anything stupid on television. But normally you're not allowed to have those. They're actually just banned because they can't control what you're going to write. And they actually have to look at the signs to make sure it's okay to see what you bring. So I made um, a whiteboard and I took poster board and I, but we the poster board wasn't the same size. So I had to like put like this Jimmy rigged nonsense together so one side said Trash Boys um, for the, the uh, uh, acclaimed and Ass Boys match. And then the other was blank, and I had a Sharpie with me. I was going to write stuff. I'm walking in, and the guy next to me actually has a sign that says, Psychonauts is better than Mario Odyssey. So, like, this guy's <laughs> going to have a fun time with his hot video game takes. Cause that's what Fuck that guy, there. by the way. Mario Odyssey is way better. Fuck and you. That's not the point. It's, it's, <laughs> see, he, he got worked. You fucking mark, but uh, we'll uh, that's right, brother. Poop, poop, brother. HH. Uh, but uh, so I get there, and yeah, we go through the security, and yeah, they they're like, uh, you can't have the sign, and I'm like, why not? He's like, you have a sharpie. I was like, yeah, and like, yeah, you can't have it because you can just write whatever you want, and we we can't allow that. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize because that's I've seen them on the show before. 
And they're like, yeah, it doesn't, we don't do that anymore. And I'm like, okay, well, what if I get rid of the Sharpie? He's like, no, you just can't have the board. And he's like, you can take this thing apart. And when I tell you, I could not just take the other poster. I mean, I couldn't take it. It was like three different pieces. Um, Cause I use like my daughter's construction paper shit when she does arts and crafts. And it was like taped on all, all janky. It looked awful. So it was like, yeah. Uh, I'm like, well, you know, it's okay. I just want to go watch the show. And they're like, yeah, well, you're going to have to take it to your car or you just can't come in. Like, what? I'm not, I'm not walking back in there in the 90 degree. You just throw that shit away. It's a dumpster over there. And he's like, no, well, you can't throw it away. You need to, like, <laughs> so I look at the guy and I'm just like, pick a lane, dude. Like, you decide, like, what, like, either, just like, I, I, you can keep it. I don't want the fucking sign. Like, whatever. I'll just leave. And the guy's like, all right, I'll put it back in storage. Just come find me after and I'll give it back to you. And I'm like, well, that's a different direction, but okay. So anyway, that's what happens. I didn't get to have my sign. I did get it back at the end, but uh, but yeah, anyway, um, fast forward back to the latter half of the, the, the match. Um, so now we have the uh, Acclaim versus Ass Boys, which was awesome. I think Acclaim might be one of my favorite acts in AEW. I'm, I'm all for the, the John Cena nonsensical stuff. People had giant scissors as their like, yes. prop, which was awesome. Like, I'm all about it. So, what, uh, was, his, what was his rap? What was uh, his rap? So, uh, the big line was the very first one, and it was so big, I didn't even hear the other part. I had to look it up later. Um, but he talked about how they were going to beat them so bad, he was going to make the ass boys retire like Vince McMahon. And people went oh, shit when he said it. <laughs> uh, then he said something about positive vibes, uh, positive like Joe Biden's COVID test. No one reacted to that because people were still like making noise over the Vince McMahon line. So, um, but and that was it. Like, the other thing was about the ass boys, but uh, but they're they're over as hell. Um, their match was pretty good. Um, I like to think that I willed something new into existence. Um, so they had two big dumpsters. They're, they're, they had a dumpster match. So effectively, ca- casket match, ambulance match, same just, you know, put the, the opponent in, close the door, you win. So the match goes back and forth. Most of the time, they're actually getting their ass beat, and then they start to make a comeback and, and figure it out. Uh, they pull the the, um, the Undertaker, AJ Styles spot from WrestleMania, the, the cinematic match where uh, Undertaker just pops up behind him. They did that where the one, one of the uh, ass boys who was dressed like Henry O'Godwin, um, <laughs> can't even make it up. He's wearing the straight up overalls and shit. Uh, he climbed up behind him and uh, like he was standing up and he was like on the, he was up on the uh, entrance ramp or like one of the uh, platforms. He was like 15 feet in the air and Caster climbs up behind him and like does the thing where he stands up behind him and he doesn't know he's there and then throws him into the dumpster and they win. And after they win, I just yell, "All right, now push that, push the dumpster off the stage." And someone looks at me, and is like, "Oh, that's that's crazy. They wouldn't do that." And I shit you not, within 20 seconds, they're then signaling to push it over, and people start yelling, and it's hype. They push those motherfuckers over the stage, like the whole thing flipped over, and all the cushioning shit even flipped out. Like, uh, oh god, there's people in there. Yeah, yeah. it was like, What's oh. so great about that. So, so one kid looked at me and said, why'd you tell them to do that? And then, like, a seven-year-old kid is like, why'd you say that? I was like, I don't think they heard me. I think they planned this. No, you but, willed uh, into existence. You fucking, you, you gave them a command. Yeah, this kid, by the way, we're going to get there. This kid, he had a spicier line later. Oh, uh, before you continue, yeah, Tony, Tony Khan, listen to me. Yeah. Get better camera people. Because when you did that fucking dumpster thing... 
the camera was literally on the crash pad while the dumpster came uh, down. And I get it that they're trying to get the shot of like the dumpster flipping, which by the way, it opened a little and I was like, I hope I, I hope their arm doesn't come out of there and like fucking breaks it and shit. I was just I was just gonna end like it, you you make it look bad that way. Yeah, they maybe could have found a better angle. Go from that. this area, like they should, well, not too close to the edge because it could have probably fell on him. But like on the corner of the stage where you're not looking at the crash pad and you're just looking straight ahead, I think that would have been better. Yeah. yeah. So, what's interesting with that is. I agree with you. The camera stuff is always, it's been a consistent issue. Like they're constantly catching things. They're not supposed to like that. Uh, uh, actually to reference Taz, don't run a sloppy shop, fix that shit. Like that's, you've, you've been doing this now for three years. Like just clean that shit up. It's an easy thing to fix now. Now that you know it, like make sure that to not catch certain things, practice, it. you know, know where your, your people are going to be, know what the angles are. Um, that being said, I did not see a crash pad, but that's also because of the angle I was at. So mm. clearly, you know, with the television looking at it, it's there. So I'm glad you told me that. I would have assumed that something was there. But yeah. what I saw was the dumpster flipped over and it opened and they just fell to the floor. And I was like, holy shit, I hope they're okay. Because that looked rough. And um, didn't the New Age Outlaws have something with the dumpster? Like before they became DX, wasn't there like some... Yeah. Du- du- they had a dumpster match with... or I don't think it was a dumpster match. I think it was just like a fucking hardcore match or something. With uh, Terry Funk and uh, Mick Foley, it was Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah. And, uh, fucking pantyhose. They fucking put <laughs> them in the dumpster and pushed them off the stage. And then that's when JR said, oh, good God, there's people in there. What is so great about that? He was freaking the fuck out. Yeah, JR, JR was just like, yeah. <laughs> like he was happy about the acclaimed. <laughs> so he was happy. He, he was remembering better times. That's mm-hmm. what that is. Okay, I just want to bring up, since you said that, just just brief step statement. We don't have to talk about it. But greatest greatest just random gimmick change uh, from one thing to the next, ha- hands down, has to be hardcore legend Terry Funk putting on pantyhose over his head and carrying a chainsaw to the ring, and he's now Chainsaw Charlie. That is the funniest shit ever. No, it's Friar first and turn it back into the Bastion Booger. No, no, <laughs> fuck all that. He, just, he also, gave up. He was just like, I can't give up. I can give up women because I never had them, but but I can't give up my cheeseburgers. <laughs> also, narcissist uh, well, turning into the Patriot Lex Luger. That that's another one I'm gonna yeah, feel. That just, MK Ultra. That that, that's almost as sad as ALS. I I can't. But anyway, <laughs> no, seriously though, I, I meant that like Chainsaw Charlie was great. It's just goofy as fuck. It, but like, who thinks to just be like a person that's so recognizable in the wrestling world. And they're like, well, how are you going to make him into a different character? And Vince is probably like, I just put pantyhose on his head. Like they did in that movie when they robbed a bank. No, that was Kevin Dunn's idea. He said, nobody, would know, nobody would know who uh, Terry Funk is. So we're just going to put pantyhose on his head and call him chainsaw Charlie. That was a Renfield idea. So <laughs> that, there we go. Well, that, now, now I know I learned something. That, that sounds about right. I can't wait to He also leave. said nobody would know who Cactus Jack was. And then, you know, they had that match in Madison Square Garden. Cactus Jack came out and everybody flipped the fuck out. So, yeah. He's been proven wrong like a million times. I don't understand why he was, still has that goddamn position. Hey, maybe Kevin Dunn will be looking for a new job because at least most of the time he doesn't 
zoom in on a crash pad when somebody's going to fall fall on it. I mean, I'm not going to argue that the bulk of wrestling fans aren't smooth brains. I'm not going to make any argument for or against that. However, the, they clearly have good long-term memory. Again, what I say like 10 minutes ago from all this rambling and whatnot, fucking people there are yelling for CZW, which is a company that's been dead for like seven years uh, over a guy like that debuted. And there are people that other people that are scratching their heads. They don't even know who it is. So people remember shit, especially when they're really famous. So anyway, yeah. um, and there were a couple other promos, other things that happened, segments in between. Uh, uh, Ethan Page came out. He's cutting this like really anti-work promo. Like, like why aren't why am I not getting the spotlight? Why am I not getting the time? Thought it was kind of neat because at one point he starts getting cheered, and people are like, "He's like, I deserve better." Yes. Yes, they are. Uh, myself included. Um, I'm not going to agree with that statement. You're not going to agree with it? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm already there. I said smooth brain. Oh, I mean, I'm not defending you. I'm just saying I'm not stupid. Oh, I see. No, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm one of the, I like to always tell people I'm like one of the smartest dumbasses you'll meet, but that, that is what it is. But, uh, I blame the squirrel brain. I'm just ADHD. But, <laughs> uh, but anyway, Ethan Page is going on about how he deserves better. He deserves TV time and deserves matches and an action figure. And people actually try to start up a You Deserve It chant in, in the crowd. And then he turns on the crowd and says, well, I don't want any of you, you fat, dumb idiots to, to do, buy, or do anything. My shirt's been on sale forever. Nobody's buying it. You're, you're sure as hell not getting it. So you're not helping me. Uh, I just thought it was kind of neat. But uh, it looks like they're going to do something with him. Um, yeah. <laughs> Stupid and dumb are the same thing. It's just semantics. Yeah. that's It's not like dumb and ignorant. Those are two different things. What a smart, smarty pants you are to not it's, realize that. Yeah. How ignorant of you to think dumb and stupid are different. Stupid idiot. Why don't you go watch stupid, dumbass movie? Ignorant, dumb, stupid fuck. We don't need you. We have six other watchers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, main event, uh, Jericho and Yuta. Um, everybody, I, I guess it doesn't matter, even though Jericho, I think Jericho could literally just piss on a baby in front of everyone, and everyone would cheer him because of his song. Because everyone's like cheering, and there's like people behind me. One was like, Have my babies! Jesus Christ. My baby, like, and when I have my babies, I don't think she means have sex. I think she actually has children with which she would like him to adopt. Um, because well, within she... that same time frame, I think her son, I'm not entirely sure, but someone in that same vicinity behind me yelled, Eat shit, Yuda! Like, in a child's voice. Definitely, like, had to be seven years old, Max. It's just yelling <laughs> mad shit about Yuda. It was the same kid that yelled at me about the dumpster thing. And uh, that their match was really good. Um... I uh, oh I, I totally forgot the uh, Max Caster guns match. I gave it a uh, six point five or six and a half chasms. Uh, get to uh, the main event was solid. Um, they they had a good way of trying to like still go with the a way for Jericho to win in a heel way without it being the same thing where there's always interference. He did the old he tried to get his bat. The ref caught it as she's getting rid of it. He kicks you in the nuts and then. The match goes a little further, but he eventually is able to to wrangle him, and he puts him in the lion tamer, not the walls of Jericho. Trying to snap that motherfucker's neck with his knee, and Yuta taps. Yeah. Um, and then he announces uh, Moxley comes out, which he Moxley comes out right in front of where we were at, which was super cool. Um, he comes out, and then uh, they uh, have a back and forth. Jericho announces that next week he's bringing the lion heart back, the last survivor of the heart dungeon. Um, 
So it's kind of cool. Uh, and then the, the, at the very end, um, uh, Yuta, um, I'm trying to remember, Moxley. Yeah, it was just Yuta, Moxley, and uh, I'm trying to remember if uh, Claudio came back out. I don't think he did. Um, Regal came out, and uh, they're just talking to people. Moxley's talking about how he loves in Ohio. It's just, you know, he lives an hour and a half away, and, you know, this morning he got to sleep in at home, uh, had breakfast with his wife and child, and then, you know, got dressed and just drove – over or whatever he, he's everyone in Ohio is eating that shit up and then he gets interrupted by QT Marshall um it just well, leads to a thing where QT Marshall just says some dumb shit everyone's like get out of here Charlie Sheen with hair plugs and uh, and someone said actually yelled, <laughs> yelled at which was really fucking funny uh but uh anyway uh he got beat up and then uh that was that then everybody all went home I just want to well I'd let Jericho look my cool ranch Doritos clean what a badass that's that's what uh, Andy says <laughs> that is, like the Doritos clean. That's not even a euphemism. That that's actually more intimate than than any form of intercourse. Like that's that's yeah, that's, that's something. That's what uh oh, what's his fucking name? Sammy Guevara and fucking uh, the other bitch. That's what, yeah, take Cunty. Anyway, I, I just want to point out uh, John Moxley is a fucking liar. Uh, he doesn't live in Columbus anymore. He lives in fucking Las Vegas. Goddamn piece of shit heel. And they yeah, bought well, it. They bought yeah. it. Well, he said Cincinnati, and he's he's from Cincinnati, so I don't know if he like had another house there or whatever. But I mean, it's reasonable. They keep they always announce him from Cincinnati, Ohio. So whether he lives there, Vegas, whatever, they they bought it. They worked into it. I don't care. At one point, I actually thought there was a man on television who actually like had intellectual disability, but was a wrestling savant. And I questioned for a while in high school whether he actually was disabled. Like, I knew he wasn't related to Eric Bischoff, but I was like, maybe Eugene is a shoot. I don't know. Then I found out he wasn't, and I was like, you know what? That's really messed up. But also, like, kudos to him, because that's hard to pull off. And then is he, he your favorite wrestler? No, not by a long shot. <laughs> I, actually, I actually liked it when he got beat up a lot, but it made me question my own morals. <laughs> my um, favorite thing they ever did was that time he had a bouncy castle in the back. The Triple H had to go in the bouncy castle. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Eugene, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. He's like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine, Triple H. And then Triple H has to get out of the bouncy castle. So he just flops out on the ground, and he sells it like, you know, a a guy in his mid-30s. He's like, ah. (laughs) Are you okay, Triple H? He's like, I'm fine. (laughs) That guy just got involved with so much wacky shit. Yeah, yeah. Waiting for Eugene return to, to Let's Raw. Go. Triple H Eugene reunion. Let's go. Uh, can't wait. Him and Regal. That's that's where I. It's, I don't know why. That's what I think of. I'm always like Regal. To me, was always like I like him in a way because I always liked heels as we were looked at as a kid. But then yeah. like the sentimental thing was like whenever he like would take up for for Eugene, he was like protecting him. It was just like oh, he's like a, it's like his uncle. And his actual uncle's there, but I still remember that promo he did on him when he was pissed when he when he betrayed him and shit. And I was I still remember that promo. Like, God damn, that was like intense. It's brutal. Yeah, it's good. Speaking of Triple H, you get into a wacky situation. Yeah, nice segue. There you go. (laughs) You do. You get into weird shit. It's like like RDJ said, never go full retard. Just can't do it. 
Anyway, show was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm all bummed because they're going to be even closer in two weeks in Charleston, West Virginia, but I have to work uh, pretty late, so I'll be making that one. But um, it was pretty fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I have talked plenty enough. So if somebody would like to, to go over any other news bits or anything before we talk about Monday Night Raw. Raw dogging it. Uh, Zach, did you want to talk about uh, Triple H, the, the creative guy now? Sure. So, yeah, uh, shortly after, you know, they announced before that Triple H is uh, EVP talent relations again or president talent relations, whatever. Uh, like the later that day or the next day or some shit, they're like, he's also head of creative. It's like, oh, shit. Like, that's awesome. Probably. There was still some tentativeness by everyone. I think it's like most people were like, that's good. But it was like they still were like in shock from what what's happened, and they, it's like you still can't quite believe that stuff could maybe change. Yeah, for if for anyone I guess that listens to our show and, and nothing else within our our uh, our, our podcast universe, uh, whether it be um, what the podcast to surpass Metal Gear, Project Nemesis, or um, Big Trouble in Little Podcast, which you can catch every Tuesday. Uh, so we, we talked about it on, on that show, but every time we have one of our, our shows of getting some color lately, uh, news is kind of barren. And then out of nowhere, Friday's a bombshell. Well, the last episode, we talked about a bunch of stuff with Vince McMahon. And then the next day he fucking retires. No one ever thought that would happen. Most of us, I'm sure if you polled people that would have been like, yeah, he's going to work this until he just dies one day. Right? Like that's how we all thought that would happen. Mm-hmm. Nope. So uh, we don't have to go into the details. We cover a lot of that on uh, one of our other shows, uh, on one of our other episodes. Of Big I, I could keep it. I could keep it simple for you guys. Uh, they were like, "Hey, man, we found more women and we found more money missing." Vince is like, "Oh man, can I go back out there?" No, you got to retire. And he's like, "All right," and then he retired. Quite <laughs> so so They they were like, "We found out the mo- there's more money, and it looks like the money wasn't yours. You kind of use you kind of use the company's money." What do you mean? It's my money, damn it! I own most of this company. Mm-hmm. Puke. 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 It's not my fault that I have a genetic jackhammer and you don't. He and just Nick Khan was like, "I had one beer," <laughs> and then he left. <laughs> he he, uh, he gets like flashbacks of the the the, the puke not the, not the pukester the guy uh, who pukes on command and he just like yeah puke draws yeah puke while while he's telling to get retired or fired puke puke come on puke do it i'll leave if you puke <laughs> they... you know what's funny is like that stupid puke gimmick and it's like yeah he said oh i can puke on command it never really looked like he puked it looked like he just smoked a cigarette and had to like spit something up a little bit he actually don't you know the story with that he actually couldn't puke on command like he like they, he had to like put a bunch of effort into it. It's like, well, yeah, if most people did what you did to puke, they could, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like he just said, "I can puke on command," and then actually just did it. He sat there and hacked a whole bunch and like distorted his body and shit. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, all of us. Could I used to turn the channel off because I hate gagging and hearing the sound of throwing up. So every time yeah. he did yeah. it, I, I would be like, "Nope, all right, let me go watch Simpsons until this match is over." <laughs> Somebody throws up on The Simpsons, and you're like, "Fuck!" Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joe Dubs just ta- telling everyone at home that he watches his porn on silent without telling everyone that he watches his porn on silent. <laughs> I don't like to hear gagging. Well, there you go, kids. All right. <laughs> go, 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 go. 
<laughs> there's no gagging going on here because Triple H take over and they did SummerSlam and it was, it was, some, some stuff happened. There was uh, 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 Bailey came back with with friends and pockets and pockets. She had more pockets than pockets did. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> um. So she's got a little group going. Uh, Dakota Kai was there. She's back after being let go. Mm-hmm. That's cool because I always thought she was good. She's my I bae. The, I hated the way uh, that they made her look and act before she left. It's like she lost her mind and she's like her hair just went nuts. It was like, God, what are y'all doing with her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, EO Shirai is with them and she's now EO Sky, which is that's fine, I guess. Because. You know, a lot of Americans have problems with Oriental names. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I mean, I'm just glad they just didn't name her something something super weird. Yo. Like, yeah, something like a K- K- Kasumi Sasaki or whatever. Some made up bullshit. Asuka's easy because it's just Asuka. Or just like Teriyaki Thunder Dragon or something. Teriyaki Thunder Dragon. I mean, that's that's what it is. It's like, what what country are your like ancestors from, or you know, or what country were you born in? But you actually speak English. Uh, you know, what what's the dude Walter? The chain of Gunter. And they had like a full name out, and he actually it turns out that guy was a Nazi general, and they were like, well, we'll just do Gunter. You know, like the guy that served coffee to the cast and friends. He's yeah. ripped now. Yeah, yeah, that guy's Jack. He got he got in good fucking shape. He cut, he's looking solid right now. He does. Yeah, no, he, he definitely does. He's a big boy. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, that that happened. Uh then there was uh like that was one of my big takeaways. The other one was like the, the Lesnar Reigns match where they made it crazy. Where shit happened that sounds like shit that would have happened like twenty some years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, tractor tractor flip in the ring is like I don't know if I want to say it's better, but it is on the same level of ridiculous as Stone Cold driving a beer truck down and spraying people yeah. or angle angle on a milk truck. It's on it's on the same level. Like I mean, in terms of like just crazy what is happening. But uh, but yeah, and I mean they still made Lesnar look like like a crazy son bitch, right? Because like still in boss because it took three people and a shit ton of of shady stuff to keep him down. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think I think the Direction's good. Uh, you yeah, the highlight of that match though was when he got he finally F five Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman took a bump. Yes, he's like, was oh no! <laughs> Paul Heyman was like yelling at him, and when he picks him up, he's like, oh my god! Like he realized he was gonna die in that moment. There, it was mm-hmm. hilarious to me. <laughs> and then and then Heyman like fully pledged himself to to Roman. Then he's like, he hurt me. Like, You're my tribal chief forever. He he hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually surprised, like, how long he's been with Roman, because I thought it would be like, oh, because, you know, like, every time he tries to do something with another wrestler, like, Brock comes back, and then he's full-time Brock. I Like, I was surprised he's, like, full-time Roman now. I think he kind of, I think Roman kind of needed him to help him kind of get this different gimmick character heel persona over more. Mm -hmm. It worked. I think it's worked. Yeah, I mean, I think Heyman's presence, like, on screen has been good, but I bet even more so a lot of it's been, like, because he has him involved, he gets a little more a little more leniency with the creative direction, which helps a lot because you know every single episode they were coming in and Vince is like, when are we turning you back to a baby face? And, and they had to basically be like, uh, never. Like, I, I will never be a face again in this company uh, as long as you won't let me. 
Valley. I mean, again, I think actually Rain's turning face in in like within like the next couple of years would actually go really well because now people actually like him. Mm. Um, so that this is the way you do it, but that's that's a whole different thing. But uh, yeah, I, I think that Heyman. I agree. Heyman being with him has been very beneficial, and I'm hoping Heyman gets more creative direction or, or creative lead going forward. With I think others. it's possible. Give it, give it some stuff Triple H has said recently. Give him SmackDown. Let let Triple H fix Raw, and just have do what it, do what he did back then. I mean, Paul Heyman had SmackDown. That's where we had uh, Redacted and Eddie Guerrero uh, and all. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, the big sticks. Yeah, yeah. SmackDown Six. The SmackDown Six. That's right. Yeah. No, that's. I agree. I actually, I think I don't even know if you want Page to just take Raw. I think like him taking the, the directive of actually being in charge, but then having like someone under him actually coming up with everything for a show. So have like have Heyman take SmackDown, have someone else take Raw, and he's still like it's final say and looking over everything. But he's like I think there's already like there's already something to be said about how how things have been managed in the past with NXT that Triple H may have been like making final safer things, but he clearly would let people do like have the freedom to do things with their matches. And there's already reports of the morale being so great because um, ever since he's been in, in charge like that, the wrestlers actually get to improv things. Like they get, they have creativity or creative freedom with their promos. The matches aren't overly scripted. People are actually getting to go in and and make up their own spots and do things. And it's already immediately a better product. Mm -hmm. Um, Hey, Triple H. Take Alexa Bliss's fucking doll and shove it up people's asses. That doll sells, though. That's what's I, stupid. I, that's what sucks. It sells because he's like, oh, my God, it's so cute. It's, it's so horrific. I love it. Um, it's horrifically cute. Yeah. Listen, I like Alexa Bliss when she was this blonde, now, you know, decent-sized titties uh, who used to make fun of Nia Jax being fat. Like, I, that's her persona that she needs to be in the ring as a heel as a face you could do other like she had a good run as a face a little bit uh but not during the whole Wyatt thing I I just didn't like that yeah I think it it wore in everybody's nerves that's the end of my TED talk it was a pretty good one Mm. (laughs) uh, like uh yeah like this the stuff that happened on Raw I touched on that Tuesday where there was reports it's a statement show da 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 and I watched the whole show, actually, uh, for the most part. I, I kind of started zoning out a little bit in the last Third hour. hour. Third hour really sucked. Yeah. Uh, not that anything bad was going on. It's just I started zoning out. I think that's more of just like, again, watching three hours in a row, unless it's like very specific. Like, you know, if you're watching a pay-per-view, I feel like you can give a little more attention to the pay-per-view as long as the card's strong. It's like a little easier to stay in there. But just a regular like show that's like – episodic that's building the things being three hours it just drags it's hard to fill in yeah but uh you know there was more emphasis on like okay so becky came out first and she wasn't doing her over the top outfits anymore and she cut a good promo like how she used to and they pretty much said the man's back and it's like yeah and it's like yeah the man's back because she's already roasted people on twitter again just brutally unmercifully it was great yeah. Oh, dude, she she destroyed Roman. <laughs> oh my God, she she oh. murdered him. Oh, that was great. Hey, no one's safe anymore. No, <laughs> nobody's safe. Uh, but like that happened, and then there was like an attack, and then 
instead of somebody just watching an attack and nobody helping, the baby face, the top baby face ran, rushed to, to help. Oh, <laughs> oh another and thing. Guess, and you know how you knew they came? Because you just saw them come. No music. I just saw them run. No music. What? It's, it's, they, they didn't stop and say, hey, play my music while I go out there. She did it again <laughs> later in the show, too. She just ran out with no music and was like, bitch, get out of here. Yeah, that was good. I, I enjoyed that too. Uh, uh, I like the subtle touch. Little things. Oh, I want to bring this up. Uh, Triple H has changed something. I mean, he didn't have full control, but this was like when Vince was like on the way out. Uh, people watch TV like for real this time on camera. It's not of the I'm gonna watch it from an angle and be like, oh my god, there's uh something going on the TV, but I have to be at this angle because this is what Kevin Dunn wants me to do. Now people watch TV straight on like a, a human being, and the cameraman's on the side fucking videotaping. Thank this you. Whenever they would do that, I'm like, why? Nobody watches TV like this. <laughs> so I mean, it's gotten so to the point that when AEW would do it, they would parody. Like, they would actively do it over the top to, like, make fun of them. So people would be watching it behind their back, like, over their shoulder, <laughs> like that, to, like, troll well, them and make fun of it. But... <laughs> But uh, the there was a couple. They built had the other. They built the the show in two angles basically. There's stuff involving Bianca Belair and uh, Bailey's faction, which I think is called Control. I think they haven't said it yet, but the way she keeps referring to the stuff about Control makes me think it's called Control. Yeah, I think so too. Because someone uh, so they tweeted out something. I think Bailey said something about Control, like, and she actually put the hashtag for the word Control. And then I don't know if it was his actual account or like a fake account, but that was the Braun Strowman that put, he like commented back to your narrative and people were like, no, don't, don't you dare convince her. Train leave. <laughs> bye bye. But uh, like that was half the show basically. And then the other half of the show was built around the United States title. And they did this awesome video package. I shared it with you guys. And it was, it was cool, and it, it acknowledged wrestling history that existed before and stuff. And uh, they had two triple threats to make up a match between two guys that would become – one of them would become the number one contender. And I saw the first triple threat. It was good. And it was like I was telling you all in the chat. I'm like, this is like – this is coming off how, like, NXT used to do triple threats with a lot of the spots in the match structure. Well, the the thing is, is like now you have prominent people that were at the top that are playing like high mid card now um, yeah. and going for that title. And you need titles like the U.S. title and the IC title carrying these live shows. Roman should not be on TV every fucking week with the titles. That should be a thing that like, hey, I'm the champ. You want to become the champ, you better come the number one contender. And then you, like, show up to be, like, on the side, like, looking on your competition and doing storylines that way. But the IC title and the U.S. title should be carrying the show, just like how AEW's fucking T TNT championship and the T... I'm so confused on the names, but the TBS championship as well. Like, you got to push those. They need to be prestigious, and you have AJ Styles, Ciampa... And uh, Ziggler, like, he's a good performer, but I wouldn't call him <laughs> top mid-tier. I'll say no. mid-tier, mid low-tier area. Heavy rehabilitation. I mean, it would take a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not his fault, though. He held a worker and, I mean, former world champion. It's just, like, that's the thing is, like, 
his re- his resume is so much better than what his current work is, but that's not his fault. That's just the booking. I yeah, is what it is. But uh, yeah, uh, AJ won the first one with those guys. It was, it was Miz, AJ, and uh, Mustafa. Mustafa Ali, yeah, who he had some good spots too. The finish was fuck. I, I, it, it was like uh, Mustafa set Miz for 450, and he bounced off of him when he hit the 450. You know that, that oh, when you bounce off and you do a top rope move. And it's like in the middle of that motion, AJ caught him and hit him in a Styles clash somehow. And if you look at it, by the way, uh, it was actually pretty smart because he bounced off of Miz, and Miz made it look like he like spazzed or like jumped when he got hit. But in the same motion, he pushed uh, Ali into uh, AJ for the the Styles clash. It was it was silky smooth. Sweet finish, but it. But it's if you... real good for someone who's not a real wrestler. Oh. Oh. Who, who oh. else I mean right with that? Actually. You like being bad. There we go. I got to put the salty bits out there. Now, I, people hate on Miz. Miz is a hell of a worker. Yeah. He, deserves all, he deserves all the flowers for how much he's done and all the shit he's had to put up with. He's earned his, his spot. Absolutely. He's a long road, but he's earned his spot. So I'm trolling. If you're mad at me, comb your fucking ponytail. Yeah. yeah. Mark. Yeah, fucking Mark, <laughs> stupid Mark, fire me! <laughs> All right, I know this. I know this first blood uh, news edition here. Um, I, I I have to ask: Is the MJF thing a work? Do you think he's working it to the max to being like, oh, maybe he's actually mad at uh, at Tony Khan because people actually started like, I don't fucking know anymore. <laughs> No, it's a work. Yeah. It's a work because, and the reason why I say that is because we live in a world of instant gratification. I I heard it in another another show, and actually, I totally agree with it. It's a, it's a smart take. MJF is doing CM Punk better than CM Punk did. CM Punk left with the title, and he was gone for what a week, eight days. He wasn't or two weeks. He wasn't gone for that long. So he left and and like put his put the championship in the fridge and did all this stuff and got people all riled up back in 2011 and then immediately came back. And like if you let that stuff breathe and take for a while, like MJF has vanished and has straight up went like radio silent. It's not con- like not in contact with anybody. So when that man eventually comes back in a couple of months, like whatever the time is when he comes back, it's going to be huge. And who knows? It, I, I honestly, what I don't know is, I mean, if it is a shoot, either way, when he comes back, it's going to be crazy because he's only going to. It's only going to be one of two ways, right? He's either going to come back to AEW and we find out the whole thing was a work, whatever, and it was well executed because they let it breathe, or he goes to WWE and then people are going to be like, "What in the fuck do we do now?" Mm-hmm. Either, like the, heat, the, heat, the heat's on then. Yeah. Right? Either way, it's going to be big for him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You go. He can go be with his brother Cody. He can he can pick up his slack where he tore his boob. He could hold his ninny. Um <laughs> could you could you imagine? Holy shit. Cody wins wins the title at WrestleMania and the Monday after comes out and he gets interrupted by MJF. Holy fuck. <laughs> Fucking nuclear. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, fancy booking. And I, this is me talking, and I'm like, I'm the, the TK shill. I get paid in white calls, guys. Uh, the thing is, before, the thing was always the prospect of MJF possibly showing up at WWE someday. But I don't think anybody was ever really excited about it before because Vince is there. and Exactly. 
That, that is exactly it. But you now, have a team now 14. You have, yeah, it's TV 14, and Vince is not there to hold him back. So it's actually legitimate. And, you know, I'll go to say this. Like, I, I like it. I like AEW because, again, if despite the flaws that it has, because it's not perfect, they they do a good job of of trying to create stories that, and I can watch it, and I'm, I don't feel like my intelligence is insulted at least most of the time. Um, so, and we've gotten so conditioned by what we had to watch that it was just like, well, I'd rather just not watch wrestling. And for me, AEW helped like like restore like that breath of life to my love for, for pro pro wrestling in general. But if the WWE product picks up and is, is as good as, you know, the NXT product was uh, or better then I, I mean, I'm going to watch it too. And, and believe it or not, you can watch both and like them both. Yeah. And I guess it's not fair to say with AEW that they, they're the ones that reinvigorated things. I actually started watching wrestling again because of NXT, like that NXT product, that 20, it's like late 2013, to tw- mid 2016 2017 was hot fire and it was still pretty good even a little after that i started to taper off though because i i was that guy that got suckered back into watching some of the the main roster and then it just like fell apart again for me so i lost it again um but yeah i'm excited to see what happens i'm not quite ready yet to start watching raw and smackdown yet i want to really wait and see because i'm at the point now i can watch enough highlights and see but if it really picks up and is consistent then Shit's gonna get complicated here. Yeah, watch all these hours of wrestling. Yeah, and here, here here's the thing: like, if Triple H turns main roster into what Black and Gold NXT was in its heyday, t- and I want to, I want to say I don't hate AEW. I mean, there's certain things I hate about AEW that has happened. Uh, I will say I, I am kind of surprised that Tony Khan actually listened to people finally and started to like give stuff off his plate to different people because he's going to need this because now he actually has competition even though triple h was in nxt while aew was around but that vince still had a a, a good hold on that even though tri- triple h was there but now this is the triple h show um and like i said if he turns the main roster to black and gold fun at, at, at nxt where it was like fun uh, not fun to watch like every NXT show, but like every pay per view, you were fucking pumped to see the end of the storyline. Uh, Tony Khan's in trouble, um, and not in trouble where it's gonna be like, oh, it's TNA, it's gonna die or whatever, but it's gonna be the the Monday Night Wars that you've been waiting for. Business is about to pick up if that's the case, as Jr. Yeah. would say. I think the I think the biggest thing to to keep in mind too is that because people can be tribalist about whatever, this is the reality of things. The WWE product has, outside of like a few glimpses of things that seem hopeful that have been decent, for the large part, the overall product has not has been mediocre at best for like the last decade or more, and people still watch it. I mean, they're making more money than they ever have, so they don't need to be good to continue to be a good business, and that is. That's the difference. He doesn't even have to put on a good show. If he does, it's that much harder for Tony because Tony, they actually could put AEW out of business mm-hmm. or put them in a spot where they basically just become, you know, this decade's TNA or, or you know, um, Ring of Honor. Uh, you know, and then just that light, like, there's not actual competition. They could just put themselves on a different echelon. But AEW is not going to put WWE out of business. It's never going to happen. 
Mm-hmm. It does not matter how big or how great it gets. It, it, it can only get to a point where people will just have options and you can watch both. And that's actually the best situation anyway. It's best for the fans. It's best for the wrestlers. Like, that's a good thing. So it's kind of a win-win in that regard as long as both keep up. But like you said, if, if Tony doesn't listen and that doesn't happen, then, yeah, things aren't going to look good a few years from now because some of those wrestlers are that didn't come, you know, that maybe they left WWE or they weren't considered before, that, that's going to change in a few years when those contracts expire. Mm-hmm. That's going to get scary. But uh, other than that, Zach, did you have anything else you wanted to bring up? Um, there's a little, some brief speculation about, uh, how green the grass will continue to be in AEW where money's concerned, maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> because the stuff that's going on with Warner brothers discovery and then slashing money where they can, uh, there's thoughts that this could affect raises in AEW or, you know, money for contract negotiations and stuff. It's, it's possible. I mean, they're they're cutting funds for HBO Max and shit, and they're probably going to... I've heard they are cutting funds for TNT and TBS. So... Yeah, the, the one thing that benefits them is it's there pretty consistently. It's their best show in the week. Yep. They do have that going for them. If it's yeah. if NBA's not on, yeah, usually it's that. So, yeah. who knows? It's just something to keep in mind going forward, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. all right uh anything else no not for me all right well that is the end of the uh first blood uh report uh we're gonna move on to some raw dogging <laughs> uh wwf raw monday night raw we're gonna be doing august 2nd 1993 from the from the castle recreation center in alexandria bay new york upstate baby uh And by God, is it upstate because you can tell all the hillbillies from New York up there. (laughs) Damn Yankee bumpkins. Yeah. Uh, We got hosts Vinnie Mac and Bobby Heenan. Uh, They play the Doink the Clown calling out Macho Man and stuff and be like, you're not going to see double vision. You can see triple vision. And he starts laughing and stuff. Uh, Three, two other doinks. Yes. And um, then you get the uh, interview of Savage getting fucking pumped in his little Captain America gear that he has going on, kind of. And he tells us that he has a surprise for Doink, and boy, oh boy, do I have a lot to say about his dumb fucking surprise. Uh, But I'll (laughs) I'll save that for later. Uh, So... Uh, you guys have anything you want to say before we get into Steiner Brothers versus uh, Gilberg and Barry Horwitz? Um, it's just going to be Vince and Bobby on commentary for the show because because of, of Randall Savage preparing for a match and having a match. He never gets back on commentary until the next episode. I bet yeah. you he was ecstatic. <laughs> He's like, I get to wrestle and not be on commentary. Yeah, because he, he really wanted to keep wrestling around this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just didn't want. I don't understand that, but the, it's one of the several things Vince McMahon's done in his career that is hard to explain or is hard to understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we got Steiner Brothers versus Dwayne Gill and Barry Horowitz, and I see where Chopper got his patting himself on the back gimmick from. 
It's from Barry Horowitz. <laughs> <laughs> he even had to be made part of his fucking gear. <laughs> it was he did. Gilbert and Badass Barry. Badass Barry. <laughs> no, I want to say about this because Scott Rick just beat the brakes off these guys. <laughs> they hit their signature moves. Like Scott fucking the pump handles, suplex shit, and the fucking belly belly. And then Rick comes in and barks like a dog. Ooh, 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 and he fucking Steiner lines the shit out of, I think it was Barry Horowitz. Yes. <laughs> God, it's a great clothesline. Uh, I want to bring up Vince during the match was talking about uh, the Steiners have issued a open contract to defend their titles at SummerSlam. So a little little story building for SummerSlam during this match. Oh, I didn't catch that. Uh, <laughs> the match was going on. Yeah, now that I know now, that actually makes a lot of sense. It doesn't even question, like, given how the layout of the show works, that would be my only qualm is why why do you have this match first and not in the place of the Mr. Perfect match, given who what happens later in the segment we, who shows up? We've been talking uh, about this all year. Always the first match is the, the main eventer, and then the last match is just a fucking shit squash yeah, match. Yeah, it's always a throwaway, like, bleh. Yeah, I don't, I don't get what their, what their direction with that. I'm assuming it, the direction is, is they're trying to get people to stay like keep their eyes on the television to wait for something. Mm-hmm. It, that was like the idea, which is fine, I guess, for the like the way the show was being produced. But if that's the case, then why not have uh, old, old tennis racket come out right after this match happens instead of waiting at the end? Uh, I don't know. Just, again, that's that's a minor gripe. Well, he's a, a he, he's a heel. He probably doesn't want the Steiners, uh, especially Scott Steiner, who just fucking Frankenstein's people deadly. Uh, right after that match, so like I, I kind of get it. Um, one, you want to have that surprise near. I guess that's kind of the big surprise near the end, a little bit where we'll get into it uh, down the road, uh, because that's when Bobby Heenan starts to come all over the fucking ring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? <laughs> I love this. I, I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, this is my favorite part of this whole thing, though, was when. Scott hit the fucking Frankensteiner on Dwayne Gill and he just died. <laughs> and then like Rick, Rick came into the ring like he was ready to intercept Barry Horowitz for the pin. And Barry Horowitz just jumped off the apron and started walking to the back. He said, fuck it, I'm done. Before the pin was over. <laughs> I, I wrote down in my comments for this match. Uh Scott Scott concusses Gilbert with a Frankensteiner, makes him look like Bill after he headbutts a door. <laughs> <laughs> He fucking knocked his ass out. It's great. Oh, it's good. The squash show. Yep. Yeah, squash. Squash arena. Um, um, yeah. Dub, you talk about this this fucking interview. <laughs> I just want to tell you guys, when you're having, like, edible gummies and then watching this fucking interview. <laughs> and I kept, That's why you don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> and, and I kept on going, like, why are they zooming on his mouth? Like, it, like every time he th- said, like, school or like, you know, uh, accomplishments and stuff, like, they would zoom in and onto his mouth and, like, <laughs> and, like, it got grayed out and stuff. Like, I understand that's the 90s. That's what they did with all the wacky edits and shit. But then it'd be like... So next time he talks, he's, just, he's gonna do an interview and talk about, yeah, my dad loved me, but he was a musician. And he always wanted me to get good grades and be well-rounded. Look at how I talk. I, and I love, I love tennis. 
but I'm also an athlete. But I'm smart like a scientist. You're giving me PTSD right now. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and there needs to be like a fade in of you looking off to the side, like like you're like that picture of like uh, Will Ferrell. It's like a oh, 90s yeah, like the the meme things where the guys like. Uh, uh... Oh, what 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 they used to do? There was the karate guy too. He was like, oh, I'm a badass. He's got like the big Jim Cornette glasses and he's in a karate gi and he's fucking yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. But it's always like he had an over the top thing. It was like he he ended my um he ended my chess match, so I ended his life or some nonsense, like yeah. some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. He did that like, Luger in this though too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is it was very cringy. I do agree. I think about that that like when you were talking about the whole this is like weird MK Ultra shit. Yeah. Like I was watching and I was having like similar thoughts to what you were just saying. I have no edibles. I, I was completely sober. I just had a little bit of caffeine, I think. Mm. I was watching, weird. And I'm like, why the fuck does it keep cutting in on his mouth? But I wasn't thinking about like when they were cutting in on his mouth, what are you saying when you're talking about school accomplishments? Yeah, eating healthy and all that stuff. And I'm like <laughs> This is the next level of Hulk Hogan promo. Like <laughs> your, your psychology on like a subliminal level. And have you ever worried that you might be a sleeper? Have you, have you ever worried like that? Like someone will say like a set of I'll, like six words together, and I lost twelve hours. Everyone, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you, woke up in the, you woke up in the middle of like a, a fountain naked. I woke. I woke. I woke. Know what I woke up in Ukraine. I took out fucking seventy Russians. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like, listen, I understand what they're doing. Um, I think the editing, editing was kind of weird, but I guess they were trying to show like the, you know, the American, you know, trying to be the best in in a sense. Uh, but I, I was so childish because the interview was like dead silent in the room. Like you could hear the, the buzz of the air condition going off and I just going, somebody fart. Somebody fart right now. I want to hear a fart. <laughs> it didn't come off at all like a WWF interview, like even a serious one. It came off like he was on Charlie Rose, like on fucking PBS. Or some it shit. was like yeah. C-SPAN. Like it was a C-SPAN interview or something. Like, what the fuck? And like, I'll say this too. It's, uh, I do want to note that uh, I think for some of this, Lex is being like real. Because it sounds like something Vince would tell him to do. It's like, oh, talk about your life a little bit, you know, whatever. And I say that because uh, there's a, a spot where he's referring to himself being introverted and people mistaking that for being arrogant. I absolutely believe that's true because I've heard a lot of people talk about Lex before and like when he was like starting out in the business and it was like, Lex just, he's not a good baby face because naturally he's just kind of a standoffish guy anyway. Mm-hmm. So I guess some of that that whole thing about him being introverted he's like it's not because i'm an asshole it's just i don't i don't know i'm just introverted and people were like what's that because it was the early 90s <laughs> yeah it, it is it's kind of it's kind of weird because that's totally a thing like um per, you know like your personality could re- be reflected the wrong way when you're making a first impression like yeah. that, that happens in that's life me. So, yeah no I, I totally like people say that a lot about me and, and uh I, I had that problem a lot with like a job where people was like man he's an asshole and what secret is is i actually am an asshole but not at work but what they think of me as an asshole is the like i'm sarcastic it's like if you have dry humor or you're you're a sarcastic person and people don't know that 
then it comes off a different way. But then people get to know you, and it's fine. I, I so I, I wonder too, like it's kind of sad because there was like that kernel of truth in this promo, but this this promo is like the wrestling promo equivalent of waterboarding. I don't mean that in like a like it was bad or torture. I mean in the sense of like it's the way it was laid out. It looks really weird. He looks uncomfortable trying to give it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it it looks very pressured and like it looks like it hurts. Maybe when he was uh, delivering the lines, like his eyes weren't fucking like lining up. Like it, he didn't make it genuine, so they just mo- fucking zoomed on his mouth. <laughs> like, hey, say that you're not arrogant and you're like, uh, you're shy and stuff. I'm arrogant and I'm shy. And like, oh man, we got to go right into your fucking mouth. You look stupid. <laughs> I, have, I have a feeling that Vince had already got given up, and Vince tells him to zoom in, and Vince is like, get on his mouth, and then Vince is like whispering shit to the cameraman while he's like filming it he's like how many salads do you think he's tossed for those smackers <laughs> and and trying to like keep the guy like try to get the guy to corpse and like shake the camera and shit he won't do it I, like i think they at this point i don't know if this is the turning point of when people gave up on this gimmick or not but i think we're getting there because it was already starting to get a little stale like they they hit like a, some momentum there right when the less Lex express stuff started and then it just like hasn't gone anywhere i know where they give up oh they yeah slam well yeah but i'm saying like do you feel like this that's the actual like turning point but like i mean hindsight's 2020 but i think now it's kind of like maybe this is where it's finally like oh we kind of smell the shit it's coming well i think i don't know because given the reactions to whenever lex does something while this is going on he is over with the crowd right now despite this weird fucking interview people seem to like the lex express People liked the the shit where he body slammed him on the aircraft carrier. And we're fighting with Japan, apparently. Yeah, when he comes out to make a save, or when he comes out for the contract signing on the next episode, people react really positively to him. I think it's just the the match itself, what happens, killed it for everybody. Because uh, I'm seeing that now. Because yeah, I always knew what happened, and then I went and watched the match back. You know, in high, retrospect, like a long time ago, mm-hmm. man, that sucked. But like now, I'm actually seeing the TV. I'm like, he was over. It makes me think, what the fuck was Vince thinking with that finish? I don't understand. Like he basically killed him with that finish. Uh, but that's kind of my thing, though. Is like this interview kind of is almost foreshadowing for that. Like I'm already thinking yeah. that same thing. What the fuck is Vince thinking with this interview? as to how this is going to continue to keep his baby face over. Yeah, like, it's not helping him, but it's it's not, yeah, it's not like, it's like a crack in the dam, so to speak. It's like, oh. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a crack in the foundation before things to come. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, then we got Adam Baum, Johnny Polo, and against Tony Roy. And I, I called Tony, I said Tony Roy has pube head, and uh, <laughs> his hair sucks. He needs to shave it or some shit. I'm just saying. No, he's got jobber hair. That's good jobber hair. <laughs> also, I popped when it showed various kids from the crowd reacting to Adam Bomb coming out, and it showed one with glasses. And he even went, hey, Backlund got glasses. And the <laughs> Vince is like, what? He's like, look right there. He's like, oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that was total shoot, too. Like, you know, it was Bobby's like trying to get him to like react on camera, and Vince is like, stop fucking around. <laughs> So like, I, I really like Johnny Polo in this because he was over the top with how he was dressed this time. He had the fucking like the uh, the fucking water wings and shit. The fuck was <laughs> he? Like, I've seen this before. 
What the fuck is Johnny Polo? Like, what is he? He's wearing a safari hat. He's got like fucking Max. lacrosse gloves and <laughs> Mad Max. But I I think they're going for the angle of Mad Max. And he did like that lame ass joke, like when the camera was on him. He's like, mm-hmm. "I want to thank my parents for having me." <laughs> I'm like, what? so his character. You guys remember? Like, I, they, they don't give him a whole lot of time here, but his character is is he is like Vince literally wanted him to be like one of uh, Shane's like douchey like friends that are like uptight and 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 like their parents are ultra wealthy and they're a trust fund kid. So he's literally a trust fund baby douchebag. And is then that is that is that real? That is no no for real because what happens is so Johnny Polo happens you know he leaves he goes and he goes on and becomes Raven right he becomes yeah. famous from ECW WCW when he comes back and uh, Vince literally comes back there's a report on this I, like, he's been interviewed multiple times about it uh, Raven has and he comes back and Vince is like who the fuck is this guy and he looks at him and, and he's like who the fuck's Raven and then someone finally tells him and he looks at him again and is like your hair's long. And someone mentions Johnny Polo, and he's like, "I remember you," and and then that like that was the whole thing. And then he he wanted him to like they actually remember whenever uh, Shane had the um, mean street uh, posse. Yes, yeah, thank you. The, the street posse. They wanted uh, Raven to to be a part of that or do some rendition of that with him and become Johnny Polo again and be that like pretentious asshole again. But then it just like got shut down, and then Raven was just like. A, but basically blown into obscurity again whenever he, he left WWE. Because he did, like, the hardcore stuff, but it just kind of got relegated. Yeah. Kind of sad, because it's like, man, that, that gimmick was over. It was, it was like, the Raven gimmick was really cool. Um, I got to hear uh, earlier this week about how, uh, if you guys have ever heard the report, it's a sidebar, but um, Kurt Angle's very first experience with wrestling at all was he went to an ECW show because Shane Douglas, he was friends with him. And he was like, "Hey, come down here. Yeah, we have this this uh this new promotion called ECW. We do like really serious uh like wrestling, and it's the show that Raven crucified Sandman. <laughs> it was the like, very first time Kurt Angle watched it, and Kurt Angle was considering doing it. And Kurt Angle left that night. Like, was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I have this this shit's awful. <laughs> and like and like would not take Vince's calls for a while. Like was dodging them because he was like, There's no way in hell I'm doing professional wrestling. That shit's crazy." And then, like, they finally talked him in and got him to come to WWF and, and watch, and the rest is history. That's just fucking hilarious. Could you imagine, like, being in that situation? You've never watched wrestling. A friend talks you into coming to it, and the first episode you watch, guy gets crucified. You're like, what the fuck am I watching? This is where real wrestling happens, brother. Yeah. It's kind of what happens when you try to tell your friend, you should watch AEW. And you, you watch, like, the Young Bucks do a bunch of backflips, and they don't do anything, and they just poke a guy in the face and, and say, What? <laughs> now that that is not fair that, that is some low-hanging fruit bullshit and you know it no <laughs> i mean don't get me wrong if it's not your cup of tea that's fine but that's a little different than than uh work crucifixion on television oh, I, know. I know all right instead of that i would say the orange cassidy match with jericho where he, jericho falls into the pool of orange like <laughs> if, if like if i showed someone that and they were just like oh this is where good wrestling happens and they watch it they might laugh or they might say what the fuck uh <laughs> like, no. trying to explain to someone why why the phrase scissor me daddy ass makes sense and it's also the best thing someone said in wrestling all year it really is it's, it's it is but it's like try to explain that to someone that's never watched wrestling you had to be there 
Yeah, exactly. You had to be there when it started. Then you would understand. You had to be there to see the ass boys and or, daddy ass. Or, uh, you know, when Kenny Omega told, uh, what, what was his manager again? To six, oh, no, six, no, $69 million? Yeah. What the fuck? Okay, this is just a squash match. Yeah, Bob just hits all his big shit and fucking, you know, he well, hits dude, like the top rope line and the Bobby uh, Bobby Heenan when he said the atomic what what, what was it called? The Atom Smasher. Is that yeah, is that, that is that the name they go by it? Mm-hmm. I guess so. Yeah, yeah that power yeah. bomb. Badass. Like bomb. Yeah, Atom Smasher. That's what it's called. It, it is. I, I'm actually. Before, if you guys remember, we talked about it. I just didn't like the whole thing. I thought it was weird. I was like, ah, oh, this is whatever. I've turned around. I like I like his whole shtick. And I, I don't know how much of Johnny Polo plays into that because of how fucking goofy he is when he's with him. But the whole thing works for me now. When he turns baby face, it gets better. Yeah. Um, I'm cool with it now. I can't wait. Yeah. Better than, uh, what what was it when he, he was in WCW? When he goes, uh... It's... What is it? What did you say? It's... Mortis and those Mortis movies. and then was it Chaos or something? He did Wrath. Wrath is what it is. Wrath. Wrath. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he becomes Wrath too. Yeah, Wrath is what I was thinking of. <laughs> Feel my wrath. It's like a little on the nose, kid. <laughs> <laughs> so after that they show a little video package to hype up Tataka versus Mr. Hughes for the next episode. Both wrestlers are undefeated. So it's like, oh boy, who's gonna lose their damn undefeated streak? Mm-hmm. Uh, I always think that when they do something like that, it should be like on a bigger show. When there's like two undefeated wrestlers and they're like, they're gonna fight, somebody's gonna lose their streak. Oh, I'll put that on TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we get Doink versus Randy Savage, the, the main event in the middle of the show. <laughs> uh, it was good halfway. Um, it, was pretty, it was pretty all right, despite some shenanigans and some weirdness. Like, Macho Man came out, he got a huge reaction. And that's when I was like, why the fuck are they, are they keeping him behind the desk? <laughs> did, did, did Vince or uh, uh, Macho's brother ever give a reason why? Like, I mean, I don't know what Vince's reasoning was. I've never heard, like, Lanny fucking talk about it, necessarily. Uh, but I'm assuming it was just because Vince thought, like, he didn't want uh, Randy to be in that role anymore uh, of an active wrestler. He kind of thought he, his run had run its course, so to speak. I think it was, he was worried he'd hurt himself. Like, I, I think that, like, he was very protective of the character, right? Like, Vince in general just historically been very protective of the persona of Macho Man. And I think I think in terms of, like, his relationship to some of the wrestlers, he's got, like, a father figure presence with some of them. Um, it almost reminds me kind of his relationship with, with Daniel Bryan in that it's very strained. Like, I don't want you to wrestle because I know what could happen to you if you do that type of thing. Um, that, that's kind of how my I've taken it. Just kind, but again, that's just my own take. I don't know if that's there's any truth to that at all. But it just makes sense with his other relationship with wrestlers. Like when Vince is convinced that you're done in the ring, he's like, "I'll find something else for you. I'll take care of you." But I don't want you to go. I don't want you to do this anymore. And clearly, that's not how Randy felt. No, and he he still had a while yet to go. Oh yeah, uh, still a little bit of gas in the tank. 
got plenty of gas right there. Yeah. You can see he did the, uh, he jumped over the fucking top rope out on the floor like it was nothing. Like he always did that. Uh, they do like an early feeling out process deal. And he's got like the crowd just, he's, he's working them. Like he doesn't even have to do anything. He just like looks. They're like, do the, he looks at him. And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, come on. <laughs> they want him to like just beat up Doink. They want him to skull fuck a clown right in the ring. Yeah. Everybody there wanted to watch that. My favorite part is Doink mocking him with that. Yeah, he's making fun of him yeah. with his little gestures and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fingers. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's like, Doink tries to lunge at him a couple times and he just misses. Because Savage just dodges him. And he's like laughs. He's like, ha, that's pretty good. And he starts getting pissed off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Savage finally gets him in an arm ringer. He can't escape, so Doink bites him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts of the match. He, Savage just gets mad. He kicks the bottom rope and just leaps outside and pushes some guy out of a chair he was sitting in and grabs the chair and runs back in the ring with it. I'm like, yeah, there it is. Get pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> and, but Doink takes advantage of that, though, because he's like rolling through the bottom rope and he starts getting stomped. He's putting the boots on him. I like that. I like that. Macho Man checked. I know I'm going like in the beginning of the match, but it, like he checked under the ring for the other doinks, and like Bobby, he's like, "That's smart." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have checked that. <laughs> uh, Doink starts putting him in holds and shit, though. He's moving him Boston Crab, and he uses the ropes, and then Hebner finally catches him and forces him to break. I call him Hebner because I don't know if that's Dave or Earl, because I think Dave is still fucking refereeing right now, and I can't tell them apart at the moment. So, yeah, I one th- of them. I think that was Dave because if it was Earl, he would have like fucking kicked uh, Doink's arm off the rope. Because that's yeah, what maybe it- you're right. Like, yeah, that might be something to watch for. See which one's more active. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Earl was always like no nonsense. Yeah, Doink is getting heat. He's working Savage's leg. He manages to dodge Doink diving at the turnbuckle, and he he, he does the running knee to his back, and he sends him sailing outside. And then Savage goes after him, and he's going to throw Doink in the post, but he gets reversed, and that takes to break. Oh, dude, that fucking hit. The, the way Savage sold that, by the way, it looked fucking ugly. Like, he put his face into that pole. Yeah, it, before that, I wanted to make a comment about uh, when he's got him in the crab, and uh, uh, Doink decides to, uh, when he's on the ropes, he, like, holds him back, and it's still, like, getting leverage, like, and torquing on him. And Vince is like, Ah, oh, you gotta stop him, Raph. He's clearly cheating. And then Heenan's like, "Don't you know how to cheat, man?" It's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's like given stop the timing it. of what's going on right now, too, with like the trial shit and everything. It's in the like the background and whatnot. <laughs> uh, like it's just so fucking funny to think about. Uh, Heenan's like, "Come on, Vince, you know how to cheat." We come back and Doink's got. Uh... Macho Man, some kind of weird chin lock. It's like he's hanging him over his shoulder and he's Savage is still on his feet. It's kind of like he's doing a neck breaker, but he's like, it's put, he's turned it into a hold. Mm-hmm. It looked pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> but uh, Savage reverses it, the hold's broken, and Doink's beating on him in the corner again. He hits a drop kick, which I don't ever recall seeing Doink do a drop kick, actually. And he keeps getting heat. And he's putting on holds, and he hits a good belly-to-belly for two. And he puts on the abdominal stretch. I marked out for that. Yeah. Fucking, that's a great move. Nobody does it anymore. 
Oh shit, ADHD. I got I got to tell you this. I forgot it from earlier. Sorry. I got to do it. Okay. Wheeler Yuta did a fucking atomic drop on Chris Jericho. Fuck yeah. I saw it and I went and I literally yelled, "God damn, I've not seen it. I've not seen an atomic drop in 6 years." Okay, did you, outside job. of watching old wrestling. I was pretty happy with that. Sorry, <laughs> continue. That was, my, oh, that was my third Bret Hart thing. I was like, "Ah, it's Bret Hart. He did an atomic drop." <laughs> <laughs> Savage hip tosses a Doink out of the abdominal stretch. He reverses it. But Doink keeps, like, stopping him every time, like, he gets out of something or he hits one move. He's, like, peppering him with strife. He's just chin lock again. But uh, uh, Savage manages to break away, and he runs through the ropes for something, but Doink just catches him and body slams him. He's going to go for the whoopee cushion here. But Savage rolls out of the way, and Doink busts his ass. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I'm like, that cannot fucking feel good when you miss that move. <laughs> like, shit. That's why Matt Hardy's fucking hips are fucked because there's so and many those top, those top rope leg drops. Yeah. Ever tell you the story about when Edge, what his finisher when he first came to WWF was a top rope leg drop, and, and why he quit doing it? <laughs> so, I've not heard why, but I mean, I can uh, kind of figure it out. All right, so this is from his book, uh, which is a pretty good read actually, but like. uh <laughs> So he's like, yeah, my my finish was a top rope leg drop, and I started doing it. And it's like, the, I forget who he said he's wrestling, but he like the first night he did it, he hit it, and he he felt something burst in his ass, <laughs> <laughs> and like he jumped so high and landed so hard that he literally busted his ass open, <laughs> and he put, and he he said like he he couldn't put like a bandage there to stop the bleeding or anything so he pretty much had to use like one of those like those pads with those maxi pads maxi pad to stop his anal bleeding hashtag <laughs> anal bleeding and he was like fuck that i'm not doing that move anymore <laughs> start doing something else so you're saying edge literally changed finishers because his anus was bleeding <laughs> yes, yes. old reference but yeah, who who else had that type of injury? It was it? Oh, uh, X Pac. X Pac had that happen. He like ripped his ass open with the Bronco Buster. <laughs> Damn. Like legit, almost like bled to death. Yeah, he, he he did it, and like the guy moved or something, and he caught like the uh, the metal on the turnbuckle, and he oh. like, straight ripped his perineum, and he nearly bled to death. Like, uh. Actually, like it was like legit stuff. Like people don't realize like some of these like moves that just look kind of fun, but not like they would hurt that much. Like it's some risky shit. So uh, what what was the one where Michael Cole was like and he has anal leakage and Booker T was like what did you say? He said anal bleeding. That's why I said hashtag anal bleeding. Yeah. yeah so bleeding. that was the one where like uh I forgot what was going on, but Jerry Lawler got put through a fucking table or some shit and he got like uh you know carted out in a meat wagon. And then like Cole said Vince, apparently Vince told him to do this. He told him <laughs> to report that uh, the the Kings got anal bleeding. And that's, yeah, Booker was like, I think that was shoot. He was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, later on, Michael Cole said, hashtag anal bleeding. And you could tell he was trying not to laugh when he said that. <laughs> Vince wanted him to say it. He thought it would be fucking hilarious. I don't know. It kind that's, of is. Could you imagine him just being a fly on the on the headset there and, like, hearing him yell through the... Hey, tell him it's anal bleeding. Oh, damn it, say anal bleeding. It's the only way it'll be funny. Hmm. <laughs> he was right, I guess. But anyway, I mean, we'll about it now, I guess. Yeah. 
Uh, Macho gets a bl- brief flurry on Doink, but Doink just tosses him out of the ring, and then Savage starts to stir a little bit, and he crawls under the ring. And then everybody's like, what the fuck? He, he doesn't come back out for a few moments. And then on the other side, I kind of like how they did this, though. On the other side of the ring, the opposite side, he comes out, and it's a midget. It's like what the fuck? The best part of Heenan right before the the little person, little Macho comes out. He he says, "Ah, Macho's gonna get a break and come out the other side, feeling like like flowers or something to that effect." He said he said something about him being refreshed if he goes to the other side. Fucking little person comes out. (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was so dumb. And then of course Doink starts laughing a bunch. Yeah, at the whole thing. Yeah, he first he was laughing at him, and then he was pissed, and he decided to chase him around the ring. And, and then uh, he's chasing Midget Man Randall Uncivilized around the ring. And he's, <laughs> he's not quite savage. He's like half his size, so he's, he's uncivilized. <laughs> uh, Macho Man comes out of the ring, trips Doink, and fucking hammers him a couple times. Body slams him on the floor, tosses him in the ring. And this is where, like, it kind of goes eh, a little sideways for me is the finish. Because uh, Midget Man's in the ring, and he's taunting him. And Doink is, like, he puts his sole focus on him after he just got body slammed on the fucking floor and pushed in the ring. And, like, it's like he should know. Doink has been established to be, like, a really intelligent evil wrestler, like, pretty much already. Mm-hmm. And he falls for, like, one of the dumbest things ever. Mm-hmm. Like what the what the fuck? <laughs> so no, it's not to say he falls for something dumb. He falls for his own thing. Yeah, he falls for his, uh, like his own trick. Yeah, and, and Savage gets behind him and hooks him from inside cradle for for three, and that was it. I listen. I I agree with you. Like how it showed, like he went on a ring and then came out little little, little macho uh, macho midget as uh, Bobby Heenan calls him later on. The actual uh, that that there alone is kind of funny as like a visual game. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. I I in my opinion, and I know this is how Vince would probably book it, but like in my opinion, I think he should have like ran ran around the ring and then left the arena and then Macho Man gets the win instead of making it all hokey. Uh and then like at the end when he bites like I laughed still, but like when he bit fucking Doink's ass uh, and I was like, oh my God, I, uh, like, I knew right off the bat, I'm like, this is, he's going to be here next episode. Cause you know, Vince is like, fucking macho midget crazy. I love it. And like, and I felt bad because like, we finally get a macho man match. Cause last time we saw a macho man match was Royal Rumble and then the repo man when repo man stole his fucking hat. Um, and I was like, man, like. I like Doink because, like, that fits with him with the triple Doinks. You can't take that away. But, like, Macho Man with Little Macho Man, uh, like, no. It, this, like, degrades him a little bit, in my opinion. And I don't know. It, like, I know he's for the business, Macho Man, and he'll do anything. But at the same time, he's got to think, like, man, is this what they think of me here? You know, I mean, better. He does think that. That's why he leaves. Yeah. You know what would be a better finish, and you could have still had all those elements in play, is if you still do the same visual gag, and he comes out the other side, the little, little macho midget, and 
he's like he does a little dance he doesn't suck it the dx cross chop and dog's like hey fuck you he just looks at him for a second he's just distracted by this at first he's laughing at him then he does that he's like hey and he runs he runs to the back during that time savage has actually snuck up behind him yeah roll him actually up. well don't even roll him up at that point like he could slam him in the ring then actually hit him with the elbow drop like well, yeah ring. yeah yeah like or you, you can literally have him chase him around the ring and then he just he's he's, he's a little guy and he's you know doing has been wrestling so like he's just able to get away even he's better up, even better you perch up to the top and he gets an axe handle on him from behind oh yeah well, axe handle axe handle's good yeah because <laughs> that's something he would do <laughs> uh yeah like i didn't really like the finish uh i also have to say it's weird that they teased multiple doinks like it used to just be there's another doink and then holy fuck there's there's two more and that didn't even come into play and we got no. zero Instead, yeah. we got we got the opposite. We got half a Randall. <laughs> we got we got an uncivilized, yeah, an uncouth. <laughs> all this all this match proved was that WWF can still use like an active Randy Savage. He's still super over. Mm-hmm. Decent match, goofy finish. That was my thoughts. I six point like six. Ten. Oh, so, sweet. So I'm, I'm actually at six and a half chazzes, and I, I did an average because I feel like the first half of this match was a solid like seven, and then. It came back, got a little slog, a little low, but then like I actually really liked the the little Randall, <laughs> whatever you want to call him. Hmm. I, I liked him showing up. I thought it was hilarious, but then the finish itself was bad. So then it yeah. like, went up and down a bit. So it evened out. I gave it six and a half. Yeah, I I, I had it at a seven, and then when Macho Midget came out, I was like, oh man, they're gonna make this a thing, aren't they? And like I I I had to I had to put it down to a six point two out of ten. Um, That's okay. Because the the midget like listen I I know like Vince made money off of like everything that we've seen in the past years and it, some of it's bad and some of it's good. Uh, but like God damn it, this was a Vince thing. He probably said, hey. Who who was a midget back then uh, in the nineties? Hornswoggle wasn't a thing then, right? No, I had like man, I, I don't remember because uh, like yeah, I'm not saying midget to be like offensive or anything. That's just literally what they used to call it. It was midget well, they, wrestling. I mean, they had yeah, they literally called it midget wrestling league. Yeah. Like, there there was a, a large group that they would hire from time to time because um, what's yeah. who's the guy later on he would wrestle against Hornswoggle, but uh, he was like a luchador, but it wasn't always the same guy. They they actually used multiple uh, little people in the in the role. You guys remember the name the the bull or whatever? Oh, uh... Torito. Thank you, Torito. Yeah. Yeah, El Torito. El Torito was like one that was always used. I, I don't. I can't remember if El Torito's been in the WWF yet at this point, but like it's coming if it hasn't yet. He he shows up right right before or at Attitude Era. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I the mask was legit a little bit. Like it actually did. Really good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, like this is just something. This is kind of a holdover from, you know previous couple decades and i mean there was midget wrestling all over the, the country in different promotions it was a it was just like a weird attraction though it was, it was like what they would call girl wrestling back then uh but 
they they still kind of held on to that for a little while in WWF up to like I want to say the late nineties is around when they stopped having midget matches. Mm-hmm. So this isn't we're going to see more of it later. It's not like it doesn't happen all the time. It's just something that happens once in a while. I think it's just because Vince gets a kick out of it because it's it's funny to him. It's fun. It's a little visual gag. Well, Look at the little guy. We're about to get uh what what was the 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 little person or the midget that uh, midget wrestler that was doink what was his name dink dink yeah dink <laughs> I wanted to say dink but I couldn't remember but if it was that or not but yeah dink is like gonna show up pretty soon I mean that's after Matt Bourne leaves I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah right? they turn dink face and it, it becomes like lame yeah but they bring <laughs> dink along to be here and like spray people with water uh dumb shit like that but like yeah they they use they use the midget wrestling stuff uh it's like in their back pocket to pull out and i think it's just every it's like every couple of months vince gets a hankering and he's like you know what made me happy today exactly (laughs) like someone comes to the back and is like i want to i want to push i want to i want to go to the top i want to hold the belt and vince is like you know what i think i think we need a midget that looks just like you (laughs) i want to see midget Vader. Fight midget under. I, I, I can see Braun Strowman going in like Vince. I want to be push. Well, you know what? You're gonna be a tag team champion with a kid. <laughs> uh, real quick, I do want to say I think uh, Savage did a good job putting Doink over, even though he lost. Yeah. So most of the match was him getting his ass kicked by Doink. He did the business. Yeah. What a pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get another SummerSlam report by Gene Okerlund. And Mean Gene, he's going over all the matches, and he shows us we are going to get HBK versus Mr. Perfect for the IC title, finally. I'm hyped. It, this feud started at WrestleMania, but it's only really been built in, like, little bits disseminated to us since then. It's, like, it's not been, like, something they've been actively building it's like occasionally they're like, "Oh yeah, we did an angle at WrestleMania. They're gonna have a match, right?" Okay. I wonder, then they remember to have something happen. I wonder if Mister Perfect was doing too much drugs and he just couldn't be there for some of the building, and they're just like um, they were just like, oh, "Let's get the next drug addict, Marty Jannetty," which he did good, by the way. I don't think uh, I can't speak to Mister Perfect's personal habits. I'm not sure if he was like a big drug guy, uh, but. I think he was actually kind of dealing with an injury around this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after this SummerSlam match, he was injured or like it either happened there or it exacerbated like literally right before SummerSlam. And he was like, fuck, well, I still got to do this match. Yeah. Uh, him and Ted DiBiase go down at the same time. Hmm. But, uh, Let's see. We go back to Heenan and Vincent commentary desk, and they're talking to Ted DiBiase on the phone. <laughs> this was about the, one, two. This is the what? first because I remember Chaz saying in one of the other episodes that he never got to experience the phone call interviews. Yeah. So this, is, yeah, this was good. Yeah, <laughs> this one was a lot better. Like it's it's been like a this has been something they've been playing with since they started Raw. It's gotten better over time. The old phone call. Mm-hmm. Promo. I like how this played out though because he's all pissed and angry, and then they're like, "Oh, you're pissed? Is it because of this?" It's like, "Don't you dare show them!" And then he's like, "I'm hanging up. I'm hanging up." Then Bobby's like, the f-? <laughs> 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 "But yeah, it shows footage from like Wrestling Challenge, 
where a kid had a match with Ted DiBiase and he's like dying. He's got him in the fucking million dollar dream and he's like, I want to see that match. Is that on the network? No, Wrestling Challenge isn't on the network. God it's damn like, it. I know, it's lame. <laughs> uh, maybe someday it'll get on there. They've added more things. I saw they added the next season of WCW Saturday Night for, for some of it for 94. So Oh, nice. Maybe by the time we get finished with 93, <laughs> we keep watching. Yeah. But, uh, like, it's Razor comes down there and he's like, what's up, man? And, like, T- DiBiase's pissed. And he's like, I'm going to show you how I beat kids up. <laughs> and he goes to lay on his lay with his back over him like in a pin, but kid hooks him, hooks him in a crucifix hold, hits him out of nowhere, which was actually kind of cool. And then Razor Ramon is like all excited he did the. It was great because uh, one two three did the same thing he's been doing lately, which is like he gets the pin then runs out of the ring, but instead of just running out completely, he just runs behind Razor. And Razor doesn't really acknowledge that he's going to protect him. It's more that just, like, he knows, well, Ted's not going to fuck with me. So he, like, runs behind Razor. Razor just stands around and actively laughs in his face. He's literally like, ah! It was really fucking funny. Uh, it got me, yeah. Yeah, it was good. No, not for my favorite part of this episode. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, uh, I, I came up with an award to give this, because we don't usually rate bits, but I, I came up with an award and, that I gave this, but I'll, I'll wait till the end to announce it. So Jim Cornette's coming out to the ring, and Bobby Heenan starts freaking the fuck out. He's like, do you know who that is, Vince? Do you know who that is? And Vince is like, I, I, I no. <laughs> he's like, that's Jim Cornette, the greatest manager in wrestling. <laughs> he's like, he's like screaming. I he's just, like, I gotta, and then he's like struggling to get up yeah, out of his chair. That's my he's favorite part. That's my favorite part because he pushes, he like climbs over a dude. Like he pushes the guy off of the chair and then the headset's <laughs> still on him and he like throws it on the ground. <laughs> and he's like, do I believe my eyes? And they like hug each other. And they're like, yeah, they hug and shit. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. And then, yeah, he puts, he puts Jim Cornette over and it's fun. I'm pretty sure. Cornette himself feeling pretty humble about that one because he based he, he says he based a lot of his own act off of Bobby Heenan. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, he says it to him. He's like, yeah, the only reason I'm the best manager in the game now is because you've retired. Exactly. Yeah. It, uh, he's good. <laughs> he's, he says he's going to tell all these genetic defects living downstream from the nuclear thing. <laughs> <What's going on? laughs> oh my God. When he said the phrase genetic defect, I was like, what? <laughs> oh, damn it. he's got a way with words <laughs> he man he says he's managed the best tag teams he's put together a great one of the heavenly bodies the doctor of love dr top richard and chigolo jimmy del rey and he's issued a challenge in steiner brothers to prove who the best tag team is and i'm mm. like all right we're gonna have a great tag team match coming down the pipe finally and then Jim calls him gutless, yellow-bellied cowards if they don't accept. And then he is just fucking loving this, and the crowd, like, fucking hates him. They hate his ass so much because he talks so fast and so much, and he insults them, and they can't they can't do anything, so they just get mad. <laughs> heat! This is how you get heat. I, I've... So what, 
Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll save it for the next episode, but I'll, I'll just briefly talk about it. The the thing that I like about Jim Cornette is that he improvs so good. Like, yes. he, he makes the conversations genuine. Like, he's an asshole. Like, he's an asshole in real life. Uh, but, like, he does it really well when he's talking to people and talking to the crowd. Like, when we get to the next episode, it really shines. And it really shows that Lex Luger sucks at promos, by the way. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll get to that. Um, this gets into something he says all the time, though, about, like, about what wrestling is and, like, what how people are, like, it's acting. He's like, he's like no, wrestling's not acting. It's reacting. Mm-hmm. You need to react to things. Don't think about how you're going to act. And you see that all the time with, like, little things. Like, he fucking gets mad because that guy won't give him a microphone quick enough. He just says, come on! This oh. bald idiot! And, like, he, when he, he says that quick line to Vince in the next episode, he's like, stick with me, kid, you'll learn something. He's <laughs> to Vince McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not acting in the sense that it's more, like, again, improv method acting. Like, it's you, you are your character, and you have to stick to it. And, yeah, I think that's, I, again, I, I like to think that the better part of uh, Jim Cornette's persona now is probably still a work. I think deep down, like, maybe he does have his own hot takes and it's whatever, and part of it's real. I, it's probably hard to separate what is real and what is a work now, but, um, but god damn. You, you really could learn a thing or two if you'd follow him. Um, there is also something to say about when someone is, like, in that, like, Appalachian, like Southern type of, of like, not draw, but the, again, it's something about like the accent of like being like really like friendly, but also saying like really asshole and heel things. I don't know. I've always thought that an asshole from Alabama is always, is always at least a little nicer than an asshole from New York because the way they talk, it, it just comes off a little less demeaning. Does that make sense at all? It kind of does, but I would argue that Jim Cornette's the exception to that. <laughs> he's like, he's I don't know. Dick, and he talks so fucking fast. <laughs> he does, but think of it this way: what could you could you imagine how much more heat? And I don't mean it in a good way either, because I, I think there is such a thing as too much heat. Yeah. Like, if you make people too mad, like you then they, know. <laughs> well, that or they just don't like. You actually can turn people off from something because they're just too pissed at what you're saying that they're now distracted from whatever else is going on and they just don't even want to pay attention. And I think that if you try to hand that off to someone else with a different type of persona, it wouldn't work. But it's because he has a little bit of that southern charm. It's just kind of like, yeah, that boy ain't all right, but 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 he's okay in my book. Like, I don't know. I just, I, maybe I, it's a weird take. I just feel like he has a perfect blend of he can, he can get away with saying more because of how he says it. I don't know, man, but he could fill like a, a three-gallon Sunny D fucking container of his sweat of how much he was sweating on that fucking stage. Oh. He, <laughs> he yelled at Vince because, like, after that, they go to Mr. Perfect versus Semi-Perfect because they never said that guy's name. <laughs> oh, very Did hardy, you? apparently. Oh, okay. According to this wrestling blog, that oh. pulled up very what, hardy. What is Chaz's award, by the way? For oh yeah, what was your award? Yeah, I I gave him. Uh, you know, people always give like in these like review shows and, and different things that podcasts do. It's a bunch of thirty year old white men just giving out arbitrary things. We'll give golden ups and and silver plugs, and different shit. So I was going to give him the copper Chaz. <laughs> so he yeah, Jim Cornette gets the copper Chaz. 
Because the segment itself is hilarious between and how he interacts with Heenan, the whole commentary with uh, during the perfect match with how he treats Vince. Like, just comes in like you just fucking know. It's like how if you had like a, a, a friend from like way back in the day come and visit you and they just walk in and immediately put their feet on your fucking couch or like a, like a relative that you haven't seen in a long time. And like, and that's how they act. Like when they come in your house, you're like, what are you doing? You piece of shit. What are you? And they're just like, ah, it's okay. Can you get me a beer? Yeah. Like that's, like, that's how he acts, but it's just great. Well, he's cousin Eddie, but like he has no good intentions. That's the difference. Like cousin Eddie, cousin Eddie has good intentions. He's no, just, Jim Cornette has good intentions for his team, for, for his, for himself. his clientele. Yeah, for, for himself. himself. Yeah, the cousin Eddie's like a nice person deep down. He's just a, a fuck up. It's a difference. But you know, he's uh, Jim Cornette knows what he's doing. He's an asshole, but it's still funny. Yeah, I, I I think you're right, Zach. Like on how he talks way too fast. Because now when you listen to him, every fucking sentence that he talks, he like has to clear his throat. He goes <laughs> before he, before he gets to his next uh, his sentence and stuff. He's blown his voice box out from talking like a hundred miles per minute, like for several years. Yeah, I think part of that works so too, right? Because you yeah. don't even understand what he's saying. You're just pissed now. It's like, what else did that prick say to it's me? Like you're trying, you're trying to hear what he's saying and understand it, but he's talking so fast and it it pisses you off on a subliminal level, so you get mad. Or, he, but he thinks about shit like that is the thing. Yeah, he's actually if you if you got a close up on his lips, he's actually saying school accomplishments, vegetables. Oh my god. <laughs> But, yeah, like, after this, like, fucking, I've been wanting to see this segment ever since he's talked about it on the podcast. One time. I, was like, I didn't know that they had a segment where they met on air and they were, like, buddies. I want to <laughs> see that. So it was great to see it. But, uh, yeah, Mr. Perfect versus Semi-Perfect. Because this guy is dressed up in a singlet. He's blonde and he has, like, a fucking mullet. And he's chewing gum and he's making fun of Mr. Perfect. But I'm like, okay, good luck. <laughs> like, what the fuck? His ass gets fucking beat. Yeah, it does. But Corny gets on commentary. He just comes over, and he's already annoying everyone, telling people to move out of his way and shit. He gets, he gets ahead. So he's like, "Turn the volume up." It's, God damn, there's no AC here. He's, he's talking about no air conditioning and shit. My favorite part is like he's about to sit down, and he's like talking to Bobby. Heen. He's like, "Why can't I sit next to you? I gotta sit at, sit next to this guy." And he like sits down. Oh God. All right, little little bit to actually put on this. This is kind of neat. I mean, it's just this blog thing. I, I like to pull this up and have it when I'm looking at the matches anyway for timestamps and stuff. But it says here, um, huge, huge news with Cornette making his WWF debut. Mentions another wrestling program and Smoky Mountain Wrestling, according to Dave Meltzer um, of the uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter. You know, for the WWF, WWF now has got a partnership and they'll allow some talent to work major SMW shows. Um, like in this, in the same time frame, they're doing the same thing with USWA at the time. Um, and they're even plugging, um, uh, their house shows in Knoxville. Um, so, uh, looks like they came up with a, uh, an agreement with them. And the way this kind of actually happened, according to Meltzer was originally the head shrinkers were going to be uh, pushed and which makes sense because we saw the head shrinkers get a couple of squash matches and yeah. uh, they were actually going to face the um, Steiners at SummerSlam, but Fatu suffered a leg infection, which made him unavailable. And apparently, oh. he even went to bat and put Cornette over like a motherfucker. This is word for word what uh, 
uh, Meltzer put. Heenan put over Cornette like a motherfucker uh, to Vince, which was what allowed, like, I guess, led to the partnership or something but about regarding whatever. So, and it says here they had the banner. So, I, again, that's taken for what the paragraph or whatever I'm reading says, but that's kind of neat that that's how that happened. It's like opportunity opens up and then Cornette comes. And I mean, the rest is history because now that Cornette's here, he's then going to get involved in later with uh, Yokozuna, which is going to work out really well. And several other people over the course of the next few years. Oh, absolutely. And then, yeah, I mean, yeah, Cornette's going to be around for quite a while as a player uh, behind the scenes. So, yeah, it's a big deal. But, uh, yeah, even on commentary, though, he doesn't waste any second trying to make everybody fucking hate him. Mm-hmm. I admire that dedication because nobody, nobody just fucking takes it that far anymore. Like apparently, except Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, no, you're right. Jeff Jarrett is, is totally that asshole that would just walk into your house unannounced, not knock on the door, just fucking open the door and walk in and just sit down. Like, there's something to say. I don't know why that's the example I use. I think it's because I'd have friends do it or whatever. My, like, I, my mom would like blow a fucking aneurysm if someone put like did not take their shoes off at the door. And if you put your shoes on and like put your feet up on the couch, so help you. Like she would beat your ass with a belt or whatever she'd get her hands, like would run your ass out of the house. I literally have friends that were, they would run out of the house, left their fucking shoes, ran barefoot because my mom was would beat their ass for putting their feet on. So like, that's what I think of, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm traumatized by it, but it's in a funny way. <laughs> but to me, like that is like, that is the bar for like being a dick in your first impression. Like you just walk, and that's totally how Jeff Jarrett and Cornette represent themselves. You're like, what a prick! Like you've heard them say five words. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. He, yeah. Anyway, in the match, like Perfect's acknowledging this guy. He's like mocking him. He's like, oh, okay. And then she starts chopping the piss out of him, <laughs> which is like one of the best things he does to people. Mm-hmm. And he hip tosses him. Or no, no, semi-perfect hip toss is perfect. And then he, he like, spits the gum out and slaps it out of midair. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he did that to him? And then he gets up, and, yeah, he just beats the piss out of this guy. He does the neck snap thing and fucks his leg up and rips his singlet off. And then he hits the perfect plex for three. Squash. Squash, yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> Vince makes fun of Cornette saying he had to leave Smoky Mountain because it got too hot. Then Cornette makes fun of Vince's hair. And in the meantime, Heenan is, like, siding with, with Cornette. Like, yeah, Vince, you, you need to back off. This guy's a legend. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> like, I paid more attention to the, the commentary that I did, the, the match, to be honest. Yeah, they kind of did. I couldn't write it all down because he just talks so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they talked a lot in uh, both episodes, by the way, the commentary. Um which could take away from some of the matches, but then again, this is early Raw, so like you're getting that first good match, and then you're getting all the uh, <laughs> the squashes and stuff. Um, but yeah, do you think Vince like was doing a full shoot there on Smoky Mountain, where he's like, ah, "Now you're with me, kid. And now I'm gonna make fun of your old promotion and all that stuff." Ah, eh, I don't really think so, because hmm. I don't really think he he saw it as much of anything that. You know, I guess, you know, when they negotiated, like, oh, well, pal, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, I run my own promotion, my own territory. I need to be able to still do that if I'm going to work for you. And he's like, all right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Vince was, uh, 
you know, Vince is a weird polarizing figure because you hear things like this story about all this shit he's done recently. And you hear other stories where he's like kind of a dick. And then you, then there's a story where he gave Cornette a huge advance to help him buy a house in Connecticut when he didn't have the fucking money to do it. (laughs) There's a lot of nice things like Ric Flair, like ex Vince for money. Uh, and yeah. he gave him stuff, and then like Jerry Lawler, like <laughs> drew a picture of uh, uh, Vince's dad, and like he cried and shit. He's yeah. he's he's a he's a complex individual. <laughs> mm. Put it put it that way. But uh, after the match is over, Corey promises he's got more surprises up his sleeve, and Vince tells us next week's going to be the contract signing. It's like, oh boy, and that's the show. Yeah. What'd you give it? Uh, I said decent show, good match in the middle. Cornette's debut was great. Uh, let Savage wrestle more, please. Like once a month, even. Mm-hmm. You know, we can hardly see Bret Hart once a month. Like, <laughs> uh, the build to SummerSlam continues. I gave it six point eight out of ten. Okay, Chaz, what about you? Yeah, I, I was really high on the, the Cornette segment. Um, and I, I really liked the Macho match. It was good to see it, even with the ending being kind of crap. But, yeah. um, I mean, it's kind of becoming a theme now with all these these uh, matches. Um, spoilers, that, that continues for 30 years. But uh, <laughs> it's like great match, but the ending is kind of like, uh, it leaves you like, it's like I have this like perfect like dish that's been made, but then right at the last minute a bird shits in it or something. I don't know. But, um <laughs> But I gave it a seven. I, I was I'm still really happy. I gave it a seven chazzes. I, I I enjoyed everything. Uh, yeah. I I said star power is finally here at Raw. Like from top to bottom, there was like stars would be like, hey, that's a star. Mister Perfect is a star. Uh, Doink is technically a star. Macho Man is a star. The Steiners are here. We haven't seen the Steiners in a long time, and they're putting their. Uh, I don't think was there titles on the line in this. Oh. No. They're just beating up Jerry. And no. Macho Man had a big star on his chest. So, yes. of course, he's a star. A literal star. Yeah. He was like one and a half stars, technically. He's a little guy. Mm-hmm. And they're still, they're still, <laughs> they're still, bu- <laughs> they're still building up uh, Adam Bomb, um, which is good. Um, the only down was fucking ma- Macho Midget, uh, Randall Uncivilized, whatever his name is. Yeah, Randall Uncivilized. Uh, yeah. We forgot about the interview. The interview segment that you oh, yeah. interview that fucked with your brain apparently. Yeah. The one Man. that turned you into the goddamn winter soldier or some shit. <laughs> I was like I was a Manchurian candidate. Yeah. <laughs> School. And be like Man, I go, go to fucking China. <laughs> you said what to Taiwan motherfuckers? <laughs> Taiwan number one, China number two. <laughs> um but anyway. Jim Cornette loved it. Um, I gave the whole show a 6.5 out of 10. Cool. We're all in the ballpark. Yes. Yeah, so I have a question because you guys keep referencing the next episode. Make sure. we Are we reviewing the next episode right now, back to back? or? Yeah, we're going to we do it back to back. I'm still going to do like the intros of being like, oh, we're raw dogging it for August 9th. Of- well, I, have, I have a slight confession. I, I have not watched the next episode. I fucked up, apparently. Oh. I'm gonna blame I'm gonna blame Brain Fog for that one. Yeah, I only watched the the one on August second. I was it's actually a, gonna watch the ninth, and then I was like, 
oh, I don't have time for this. I gotta wait with my daughter. So I'll come back to this later. We're not only doing the one episode. So that's on me. Well, that's okay. Mm. Yeah. All right, well, you're going to have to listen to us. <laughs> yeah, well, here we are. Yeah, no, hey. Go back and watch it and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, well, you go. Okay. So we're all dogging it again. Yes. And it's August 9th, 1993. And then I, I hear something I really don't want to hear at the very beginning of the show. The goddamn Bushwhackers are going to be here. Uh <laughs> so that is, I was like, oh no, yeah, god damn it. <laughs> and then they started saw that that was really like them opening the shows like, oh the bushwhackers. I'm like, fuck. And then it was Tatanka versus Mr. Hughes, like immediately. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Hughes was like already in the ring and I didn't even realize it. I was like, what? <laughs> like Tatanka came out and did his little rain dance or whatever, and then Mr. Hughes waylaid his ass. Yeah, we also got Lex Luger being in because he's doing the tour thing. He's in Chicago. He saw uh, Chicago White Sox outfielder outfielder Tim Rainey's. Um, he's wearing a beanie pack when he did it too. Yeah, he's a fucking boss. <laughs> uh, fucking early nineties. <laughs> um, first match, Mister Hughes with Harvey Whippleman versus Tatanka. Got that the the main event in the fucking first uh, match here. I, that, that wasn't the main event. The main event was later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even though, even though this is a real match, uh, yeah, like I said, he he waylays Tatanka in the beginning, and then they do this crisscross spot, but Tatanka doesn't really manage to leapfrog Mister Hughes because that's a really large man. Mm-hmm. He kind of fucks up, but commentary expertly covers it pretty much. Like, oh, he didn't ma- manage to make it over him. He's too big. Nice. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Hughes has a badge, but then this other dude comes out and brings out another black wreath to piss him off with. <laughs> and Tatanka's hitting chops and strikes, and Mr. Hughes stops him with the old thumb to the eye, McMahon. The old Jesse Ventura line. Yeah. You know what my favorite move is, McMahon? He's like, what? A thumb to the eye. Stops <laughs> him right in their tracks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh... Tonk is whipped to the ropes and he hits a crossbody for two. And then Hughes shoots the talk off again and he hits a clothesline. And he does this a lot in this match. He keeps shooting him off and hitting a clothesline. <laughs> he does it like three times. <laughs> uh, then he gets like, I think Tatanka runs past him a couple times and Mr. Hughes just gets p- pissed off and grabs him by his mullet. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he does another goddamn, uh, like, he grabs him by his bullet and jerks him down, and like Tim White doesn't even really admonish him for it. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, like not not even that." <laughs> so he pulled like a Rick Knox. He just didn't give a shit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And then Hughes hits another clothesline. Then we go to a break, and then we're coming back, and he's got a chin lock on him. And he's firing him off again. He goes for a splash to Tonka dodges. Mr. Hughes flies over and he does the old hit the turnbuckle post with your face deal, but he broke his sunglasses when he did it. And, and they, they fell off, and you can see Mr. Hughes' face. And Bobby Heenan goes, Hey, it's Barry White. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up called it Barry White. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> 
shit, that's great. I'm gonna have to watch this episode. Yeah, yeah, it's worth. It's still worth watching, even though it's like, eh, you'll see. Uh, Taka starts running and chopping. He's running and chopping. He does this to talk his shit, and then Mister Hughes just tosses him out of the fucking ring. And he comes out there and he body slams him on the floor, and then he he runs him into the ring like you know he just shoved the guy's back into the apron. He's like, oh, hardest part of the ring. Hardest part of the ring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hughes runs at Tataka, but then he backdrops him. Tataka backdrops Mr. Hughes, and he hits the floor. And right after that, Tataka rolls into the ring, and, and Mr. Hughes gets counted out. And the crowd's reacted pretty positively, but, like, I don't know what the fuck happened, but it was, like, all the levels were all fucked up or some shit for, like, the mics, and yeah. it just completely drowned out the commentary right there. <laughs> uh. So, it was kind of meh. Tatanka is not that good of a wrestler to me, in my opinion. He's got his... He's one-dimensional. Dimension. I can't fucking speak. Uh, one-dimensional um, when it comes to, like, wrestling. Because he'll get a couple moves here and there. Like, he'll sell whatever the opponent's doing. And then he goes into his uh, Buffalo uh, Hulk mode. Uh, and buffalo rising and starts like ch- chanting around the ring and then he like does his moves and stuff where he's doing the hip scotch kind of thing going on uh hopscotch um and i, I l- listen he he made mr hughes look strong even though he lost because it was a count out it wasn't a pin so i yeah. i admire that so they they did a good finish to keep mr hughes win intact his his record because he didn't get pinned he got counted out and yeah like you were saying to talk is kind of like a one-dimensional wrestler he's got his zone mm. uh it's funny because at first when we saw tataka like starting this off like man talk is pretty good then we kept seeing him more and more and more and realized he just does the same shit every match almost he's <laughs> he's the native american john cena I think John C is better than him. <laughs> yeah. I gave it a five, five moons. The five moons of ah ha ha ha. No, I'm just kidding. I can do that. Okay. Mr. Hughes really Sorry, needs like my N word. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Go on. <laughs> anyway, this... Bing bong. <laughs> Mr. Hughes really needs like a smaller guy that's going to bump a lot for him. And like Tataka was not that guy. You're not that guy. <laughs> Sorry, that Mr. Hughes needs to be like the ring with like fucking Shawn Michaels or fucking Sean Waltman or, or something. He needs a little guy. He, he needs a David versus Goliath. He, I'm reading hard. here. Apparently, again, it's spoilers, I guess, for those who didn't live through 90, 1993. But uh, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so they talked about how the, the match sets up so that nobody gets harmed. Like you know, no one takes a loss or whatever. So Hughes can like still look kind of strong. But ironically, Hughes is actually going to get let go in like two or three weeks. Oh, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, sorry, it was a bummer. Go back to WCW. Oh, okay, that, that would make sense. But yeah, it's saying here that uh, like just the thing I'm reading that says that yeah, they they don't know what they're doing with Tatanka. They're just letting him keep a winning streak and letting him just be like Native American, like crazy <laughs> man. And then yeah, Hughes looks like he's kept strong here, but that doesn't make sense because he gets fired. Uh, it says he gets fired two weeks after this episode airs. Damn. 
So that's I wonder what happened there. That's that's weird. So. The Undertaker killed him. I guess he probably <laughs> probably pissed in the urn. He was keeping drugs in the urn. Five point two out of ten. Did it have any commentary besides what you said? Yeah, it's just I I'm getting tired of the Tatanka Hulk mode. Um, Hughes is awesome. Um, he's still I I think he's still good in this. Uh, he took a really big fucking like when uh Tatanka flipped him on the outside, like he fucking yeah. he dunked on that ground. Like even the kid that was like staring at him, like ooh, like well, that yeah, that he, might he probably felt the impact when he hit the ground. His, it's a big guy. His ass probably exploded like edges uh when that <laughs> happened. Um and I don't know, like the whole reef thing is annoying. Like they're not even like acknowledging it that much. They're like, Oh, there's the reef. <laughs> they just yeah. continued the match. Uh, I give it a 5.3 out of 10. So we're like right there. Cool. Um, I lost a lot of time again, another 12 hours. So, uh, I went to, um, <laughs> I went to Iraq. Uh, now all the ISIS and Taliban, uh, are, uh, tree huggers. They, uh, they don't bomb people anymore. They just, uh, they hug trees. So Afghanistan's finally stable. Yes. Thank, okay. thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thanks, Lex. <laughs> who is Lex Luger? That's like how this starts. It's like, who is Lex Luger? I'm like, I don't know. So they try to tell us. Well, and... I, I used to play with CFL, and then I went to the USFL, and then I played with the Green Bay Packers. And then football, football, achievements. I hung out with the wrong crowd, wrong crowd. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like. You keep zooming in on football and achievements. Yeah. You know what, though? I think that's what's so funny. Remember with the last one segment? We were talking about how they're trying to make him a little more identifiable. And that whole thing was like, yeah, well, I'm kind of like introverted, but I've been successful. So that people just think that I'm arrogant. But then this next segment, I mean, again, of course, I haven't watched it, but I'm reading here, and it kind of just goes word for word what happens. And he just literally just spends the entire time talking about all these things he did, and he just very briefly is like, oh, I kicked out of school. But then I just I just strolled right on and just played in a bunch of, like, professional football leagues. like, And then was like, oh, I'm actually, I think I'll go back to school now and just become a fucking attorney because that's just an easy thing to just go do. But <laughs> I, I got in the ring, and I loved it, so I just became a professional wrestler instead. Well, I'm just glad you didn't decide to to just go over there to fucking Cape Canaveral and, and, and fly to the goddamn moon. Like, apparently, you can do everything. <laughs> no wonder you was so unlikable. Like, was... you, you fucking prick. No, no wonder nobody liked you. You are a cocky son of a bitch. Just you probably think your your turds don't fucking smell bad. You know what comes <laughs> to you know what comes to mind when you say Cape uh, Canaveral um, is like uh, the the promo where he couldn't fit in that shirt. Like him trying to fit in like an astronaut uh, outfit. It doesn't fit. <laughs> it's too small. Yeah. He sticks on. <laughs> I'm pissed now. And he just leaves. <laughs> he like lives. It leaves like mid spacewalk. <laughs> That's the greatest Lex Luger promo there ever was. Is that? <laughs> it felt real. It felt real. <laughs> it was real. He was really fucking mad because he couldn't fit. <laughs> uh, do you you got any in, more in depth commentary about the weird MK Ultra promo? 
No, I just kept on like thinking like if I tried harder in school and like went to all these like uh, football leagues and then like went to Miami uh, school because I think he talks about Florida at some point uh, and talking about being a lawyer. I was like, man, if I want to be American and a patriot, it's all about football and achievements and vegetables and uh, vitamins and vitamins, brother. Uh, but like, uh, I have nothing to say. I just thought it was weird. I've got things to say about it. Okay. So, where where's my notes at for this particular thing? It's under there. So he when he talks about how he gets into like wrestling or whatever, and they just really briefly gloss over. He's like, I went to a WrestleMania one time, and I thought. And my buddy said, yeah, you could probably be wrestler Lex. So, like, yeah, I just got in the ring and started doing it. Like what Chaz was saying, where he just apparently he just did whatever the fuck he wants, and it works out for him. <laughs> He's got maxed out luck or something, along with maxed out strength. I bet, <laughs> I bet you've been, I bet you've been, like, told him, like, I don't know, pal, just tell your life story. And, like, he yeah. did. Uh, and it was weird. It, like, he autistically said it out loud. Where he's like, yeah, I went to all these football leagues and I didn't, I hung out with the wrong crowd and then I wanted to become a lawyer. But then I went to WrestleMania and they were like, why don't you be a wrestler? And he's like, yeah, I guess I can. (laughs) Yeah, all this though raised a bunch of questions for me. It just like, it's just like Batman Forever, my favorite movie of all time. It just raises too many questions. (laughs) (laughs) First, Uh, First and foremost, are we expected to just forget his debut as the narcissist and his run in that gimmick within the first four months of this year? That wasn't that long ago. He's and a- they never address it. They never address the fact that he was a fucking weird asshole that, that was the narcissist and he stared at himself in a mirror. Uh, that's, that goes right back to that whole wrestling fans are smooth brains. Because whether it, that's true or not, because it's up for debate, Vince McMahon definitely thought they were. Because he's like, I just got, we're just going to turn you into Hulk Hogan 2.0. That's what this is. We're just, we're going to turn, turn you into Hulk Hogan, uh, the next Hulk. But, but Vince, they, they know I was out there. I was, I was a prick, basically just wearing a thong. And he's like, Nah, it'll be fine. So get yeah. out there. Tell me your vegetables. <laughs> what gets me about it was like they just don't address it at all. And they could, they could have just had like one or two simple lines to really address it and fix it. He could have had Lex say, well, not, not verbatim, but I'm just spitballing. He's like, well, I, I used to be a prick, you know, like everybody knows that before, but all that anti-American rhetoric really got under my skin. And I don't know what happened. Something just shot through me and I realized I have to do something. So I went out there and I did. And he's like, everything seemed to change and fall into place after that for me. Zach, you were you were trying to throw you were trying to throw a tennis ball of logic into a vacuum of, of a void of space with which with, with with which logic does not apply. <laughs> like, it was so easy. It was so I, easy to do. What the worst is actually from at least from what I'm reading, is again I didn't hear it, uh or watch it rather, but from what I'm reading, it again and looking at the first segment they kind of did half-ass try to address it because he, he instead of, but they did it in a way that an arrogant prick would do it. He, he didn't come out and say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry for how I acted before because I was kind of an ass, but 
if this happened and I, I looked like I realized I had to change my ways. No, instead of what he did was well, some people think I'm an asshole. Well, actually, I'm just really shy. Like, well, you know, someone that's shy doesn't dress dress like they're about to go uh, fucking dance at Chippendales and stare at themselves in the mirror all goddamn day. That's not how they. That's not how that works. Somebody who's so, shy doesn't employ Bobby Heenan. <laughs> yeah, or but then the, the, then he immediately goes into this thing and he just spends all this time now in the second part of this talking about all of his accomplishments and. It sounds like he just glazes over. Oh yeah, I got in the wrong crowd and got kicked out of college. You know, for most people, that's that's where the story would end, or the, you know, their career would end. It's like, no, but I was good enough. I just went right to pros. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, and then and then he was like, well, then that was over. I was like, you know what? I think I'll just go back to school and be an attorney. You know, uh, as in I have to go back and go to undergrad and then do grad school or and or law school. You know, it, it just. Yeah, like again, we're we're getting into that territory of yeah, you you smell your own farts because you like how they smell. Like that's that's the territory we're in with his personality, <laughs> and that fits with the narcissist. So it's it's actually, if anything, they if they had done it the right way, they could have just tied right back into him just becoming the narcissist. And he was like, I was an asshole the whole time. Yeah. Um, well, it is what it is. Secondly, it's like I know that we're still in the early nineties right now. And there's not really like a lot of smart marks and there's not a lot of dirt sheets out there. There's just kind of like the observer and it was in paper form and it was really hard to obtain back then. Cause I mean, I would argue that most of wrestling's audience currently in this period of time that we're looking at is kids, teenagers and young adults. And you know, a lot of these people still don't have fucking internet or anything. Mm. Uh, WCW is on cable television and it has been up to this point for seven to eight years. And that's where Lex Luger spent the entire previous part of his career and was a top guy in WCW. He was a top guy. Mm -hmm. And most hardcore wrestling fans would watch both products Mm -hmm. because when when it got on cable and it was national, anybody could see it. So, I know Vince won't acknowledge WCW or anything like that. Even now it's still ridiculous to pretend that Lex Luger just appeared in a WWF ring and they're just waving that off. And he was just a narcissist. Mm. Like, that's not truly where he got his start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's finally, I get what they're trying to do. Like what dubs is saying, they're trying to make him like more relatable and shit. And mm-hmm. the Lex Express thing, that's a different approach altogether i think that works better yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. but i'm wondering like why aren't they using lex in any matches right now to help him get over as a baby face in the ring instead he's just out of the ring the whole time like we haven't seen lex wrestle a match since king of the ring when he was still an asshole i would have (laughs) done i would have done something stupid I would have had him like the Lex Express go into like every uh, hibachi fucking restaurants and stuff, oh, and, and be like, "See, not all Japanese people are bad. <laughs> 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 they love America." <laughs> oh, oh, that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. That's the alternate uh, universe version of like. What or, he, 
Or he goes like Dog the Bounty Hunter before Dog the Bounty Hunter exists. So he goes to all these places with a picture of Yokozuna holding a bowl of rice. And he's like, have you seen this man? I'm looking for him. I'm pissed now. Assuming that all Japanese people know each other. It was like that extra layer of racism uh, that Vince would have just like thought was hilarious. Oh, Jesus. Uh, That is... That's not all Japanese people. It'd be even better if he doesn't go to a Japanese restaurant. He goes to a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> he orders fucking Szechuan, and he's like, "See, they're not all bad." He doesn't, he doesn't even say Japanese. He just says they're not all bad. Wow, that would be honestly, I would have top segment of the year. It would have been. <laughs> <laughs> been. Okay. Terrible. That, that, the best way. That puts a cap on the, the Luger shit for now. Mm. Uh, you get Bushwhackers and the Macho Midget versus Blake Beverly, the Brooklyn Brawler, and a Midget because they never said his name until the match started, and it was Little Louie. Little Louie. And he had <laughs> another great line here. And uh, you weren't here, Chaz, when we watched the Royal Rumble. The Bushwhackers had a fucking match with, like, I think it was the Beverly Brothers. Yeah. And him, Bobby Heenan, and fucking Gorilla Monsoon shit on their match and just talk shit about the Bushwhackers and everything incessantly until the match was over. <laughs> it was like one of the greatest things ever. <laughs> I'm going to be frank. I'm going to be honest with you. I zoned out right after I saw Macho Midget and then Little Louie and then the Bushwhackers. And I was like, I'm just oh. gonna I'm just gonna listen to Bobby Heenan in the background talking shit. Um I'm not watching this match, so I I didn't rate it. That's fine. I did. And I still I got a couple little notes, but it's nothing major. Uh I've got autism, so I forced myself to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. I wanted to hear everyone's ratings on this because it, it went past the five minute mark. So. Yeah. So, like, yeah, Heenan was roasting them, but it wasn't anywhere near, like, the, the Royal Rumble match, you have to see it. You need oh, to go so back good. and just watch that match so you can hear them roast the fuck out of them. It's, like, Rumble, it's Rumble 93, right? Yeah. Yeah, from the, yeah. I, I mean, I don't recall that specific thing. I'll have to go back and watch that and listen, but it's I recently fun- watched R- Rumble 93. It's one of the funniest things I've seen ever. Like, <laughs> But uh, he says, Heenan says, well, you got two garbage collectors from New Zealand and a macho midget. Blah. And that's like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much my fucking reaction to this. It didn't even start. <laughs> and then macho midget shows us he can dance. I wrote LOL. Like, it's ironic that I write LOL. Hmm. Blake Blake Beverly shaved his glorious mustache for some reason. Yeah, I got pissed. I was like, why the fuck did you do that? And then I'm like, where's Bo Beverly? Why is he here? Why is the Brooklyn yeah. Brawler here? Because <laughs> yeah, he sucks. And I was like, maybe he didn't want any of this on him. He heard, like, he heard they're putting us back with the Bushwhackers. Like Blake told him, he was like, "Fuck, tell him I'm sick. I'm not coming." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Blake deserves better than this, though. Damn it. <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of goofy ass fake shit going on with the midgets where they crisscross each other, and then. Little Louie keeps running after Macho Midget stops running, and it's like that shit that just exposes wrestling, and I fucking hate it. <laughs> there's a, there's a part like I don't know if there was like miscommunication or a botch, but like 
Macho Midget like gets down on the knees, and usually what you'll do is the other guy would push and then like fall over. Yeah. And yeah. and the the other midget, Little Louie, like just didn't listen. He was like still talking midget smack uh, talk, whatever mi what midgets do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was that was really insensitive. I'm sorry to you, LPs. <laughs> I mean, we did talk about Lex Luger going to a Chinese restaurant, saying not all Japanese people are bad already. So. <laughs> I mean, we just we started off the episode with Ice Ice T telling his his uh, character son that it, that means he's gay. <laughs> so that's just an iconic moment in acting. Yeah, yeah. that's all it is. <laughs> I say that 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 whole segment is technically the truth, but I, so I don't know what was wrong with that. I'm confused. Uh, <laughs> nah, you gay. gay. That means he's gay. This is this is like just such Vince shit that's going on in this match. The shit that you know he fucking finds hilarious. I got visibly angry. Um, uh, I never, I, I never. I got upset too. I got upset too. <laughs> I never. Can, you, can I read this thing to you guys? Sure. The, the review thing I'm looking at it, it's breaking down the match. In the very first sentence, I kid you not, it says the Macho Midget dances like. Like a, a goon, and Vince cackles like a fucking moron. <laughs> First <laughs> sentence in the description. Of what yeah, <laughs> I I guarantee you, like Vince brought up the idea to the uh, to the to the Macho Midget, but Macho Man, like, hey, your surprise is gonna be this midget guy, um, and then like, Ooh, a midget? Um, no, I don't know about that. Man. I don't know, but Vince, I might go to WCW. Oh yeah, dig it. Uh, uh, and then Vince just put it to eleven. He's like, you know what? You know what, kid, brother. I'm, why am I doing Hulk Hogan? Vince is hey, like, brother. yeah. Vince is like, we're gonna fucking milk the shit out of this, and that's what he does. Yeah. There's more. Actually, uh, it actually had nothing to do with that. It had to do with Slim Jims. Well, no, hear me out. No, hear me out. They were about to make the mini Slim Jim. Oh. They came. They came to him, and they were like, "We need. We need another one of you." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to try to. Do, I was about to do an Alvin and the Chipmunks voice of snapping to a Slim Jim. It's not even gonna. I can't. I can't. I, my voice can't go that high. Slim Jim, Slim Jim, Slim Jim. That's more like a, a gremlin than a fucking gremlin. chipmunk. <laughs> no, gremlin. Gremlin. It, it's like, oh, what's the... Uh... Oh, bright light! Bright light! <laughs> right. What's... Yeah, bro, okay, that's fair. It, it's kind of like Gizmo. What, what's the one always... Spike. <laughs> no, no, the Spike. The one that like has the French guy. Has the thing. <laughs> He always, like, when he's eating, he goes, yeah, meow, meow, meow. I mean, he sounds like, kind of like Gollum. He does. I'm trying to do meat wine. Yeah, man. Meat wine. <laughs> uh, man, that's a shit. That's a meat wine. Oh, yeah, dig it. How are you? We're going to snap to a slim jim. How are you? Are you? <laughs> that, something happens to that guy. You might have a job. <laughs> shit. Is that is that actually okay? Yeah, How it's good. good. Actually, he's like, oh, that's a shit. There you so, go. 
All right, so there's a new rule. If there's like a shit ass match and you really want to talk about it, you have to use the meat wad voice the whole time. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we have a dud of some pile of meat shit. I have to, I have to go over the match. That's <laughs> meat wad. That's fair. That's pretty good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Blake, Blake and one of the whackers work a little bit. They do a couple moves. There is wrestling for like 30 seconds. And then there's more chaos and bullshit. And then the brawler comes in and he gets beaten up. And then the bushwhackers hit a double DET on him. And then they all stop. And they're just like, hey, no, you do it. You pit him. They tell the macho midget to pit him. So what's he do? He gets up on the top rope and he does a, t- a tadpole a tadpole splash for three. <laughs> Fuck, this was lame. And I gave it three out of ten because it made me angry. Mm. <laughs> so- Yeah. Yeah. It's not a frog splash, it's a tadpole splash. <sighs> so we come back from break, and at this point I was kind of upset. And then the ring's full of people, and it's contract signing time. And then Yokozuna comes out with Mr. Fuji, and then Jim Cornette just suddenly shows up. And I'm like, oh boy. They've hired Corny as the American spokesperson for Yokozuna. Oh shit. That's where part of my, my promo came from, where Cornette says that the Japanese people are the most honest, hardworking, industrious, respect, respectful, motivated people who are masters of trade and commerce. I wrote that down verbatim. <laughs> and he gets a bunch of fucking heat for saying that. <laughs> yeah, of course he is. I have a question. It says here that Jack Tunney and Bruce Pritchard are also in the ring. Is Bruce Pritchard in Brother Love gear, or is he just as Bruce Pritchard? He's just Bruce. He's just Bruce. Oh, okay. Oh. You know, Brother Love always wore wear the fucking white suit. And he's got like the crazy like sunburn face and all that. Yeah. He's been I love you. I hate I that. I fucking hate that gimmick. I never liked it either. I don't yeah. know. He thinks it was the best thing ever, though. Well, that's that's him. <laughs> Bruce Pritchard. Jim claims that they've been at a disadvantage here the entire time because of the interpreters and lawyers furnished to them by Jack Tunney and the WWF. They've been subpar, that crooked Jack Tunney. And then Vince goes, <laughs> how dare you? And then Jim says, I do dare, just like he always does. And he points at Jack Tunney. He's <laughs> him of shit right there. And he keeps bringing up the fact that like Jack Tunney makes fucked up contracts for matches or makes fucked up weird decisions all the time, which that has happened in the past. Uh, and then... Vince introduces Lex Luger as like the man who slammed Yokozuna on the USS Intrepid on America's birthday. And I'm like, that's a hell of an introduction, actually. Comes down, they sign contracts, and they kind of face off for a little bit. Wait, no, you got to bring up when Jim Cornette reads the fucking contract. Everything checks out. (laughs) Yeah, he just like speed reads it. Well, if he he reads as fast as he talks, he probably did read that whole page. Oh, no, I loved it. I loved how he did because you know that that will piss off like a group of people. He didn't read it. What is he doing? <laughs> it's little things he does. It's all psychology shit. It just piss people off. He, he takes every chance he can to make somebody mad <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, they all sign it and then they face off and then it looks like they're about to fight. And then Cornette interjects. He, he lets Lex know there's a provision in the contract where if he blows this match, he won't get a rematch. So he has to win. This is like his only opportunity. 
It's like, whoa, this puts extra pressure on. And we know what happens. He doesn't fucking win. Only one chance to face Yokozuna for the title. Boy, that age is like fucking milk. Wait, so this is where Cody Rhodes got the bu- booking, huh? From Melinda's Lex Luger match. <laughs> this is where he got that America versus Britain idea from. <laughs> <laughs> the industrious Japanese. The industrious British, with their known for their excellent dental hygiene. <laughs> Lex says he doesn't care because he just needs one shot, and I'm like, oh boy. And it kind of fires up the crowd, actually. And Lex gets some chance USA. Like, he fires up and it works. Even though, like Dub says, it's not really a good promo. No, I laughed. Like, uh, it's not good <laughs> because he said, he. all I did is one shot, one opportunity. Would you let it slip? And I just started doing the fucking Slim Shady. This mom, mom spaghetti. All of sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> Because he but, says the exact line. <laughs> it does. Yeah. That was before. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, shit. Does that mean, does that mean that it's actually a Lex Luger mark? Probably. Yeah. Has oh, to be. shit. Uh, yeah, that's how the timeline works. So that or Eminem's a time traveler. So, despite that, despite Lex's awkwardness on a promo, I, I think he can cut a better heel promo. Yes. Uh, uh, I think, I think Cornette... Yeah, he's still over, and Cornette kind of puts him a little bit over, too, because he sets him up. He goes, yeah. you know, I'm going to, there's this, if you lose, you, you, that's it. You're going to scrape it at the bottom of the barrel, bitch. He didn't say bitch, but that's what he meant. Uh, and then he, like, hands the microphone, and then he does the Eminem thing, uh, and, like, talks about opportunity here in America, because that's true, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, and... Uh, then he's just like, I'm going to beat you. And the USA chance happened. And I'm like, okay, America. I'm going to bring the belt back to America. I'm like, Yokozuna comes to America to work every fucking day for this company. What was... It didn't leave America. <laughs> what was American video game company in, in the 90s? Midway. What if he just straight up said Midway is better than fucking Capcom or something? <laughs> like, or like uh, Square Enix. Say that? Yeah. Oh, no, no. If Lex Luger said that, <laughs> like yeah. Midway is better than Square Enix or whatever. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the video games weren't that mainstream just yet. So they don't know how to just that little over. Mm. So football is better than soccer. That's, that's about your best analogy there. That was the, the the segment. That was the set the signing. I don't know after seeing this. I don't know why Vince got cold feet because of the reaction Luger got, despite weird MK Ultra promos and fucking this. You know his awkward delivery as a babyface. It's like this other shit still works. Straight. Ironically, if Luger would have went back to school and become an attorney and then come to WWE, he probably would have been able to cut a better promo. Could he have been the first wrestling attorney? I mean, no. Objection. I mean, I guess he could have. He he won't now because you have David Otunga, but that's a whole different thing. That's why he could have. Man, he would have been a better wrestling attorney, too, because David Otunga was shits. Side note. Uh, the acclaimed, not Max Caster. Uh, the other guy. Oh, yeah, he looks. He looks like David Otunga a little bit. Just a yeah, little he's bit. Like David, he's 
think like David Otoga except better. Yeah. Yeah. Good, <laughs> be, be a lot younger though too, but uh, but yeah, it looks similar. He's got similar haircut and facial features, but. Mm-hmm. So, Dub, you got any other comments about this segment? Uh, no, just really sad that uh, it's walking into like a. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, when you go to a fair, um, and you eat so much of the deep fried Oreos, and then you go to the Gravitron, and then you like. Like, oh, these Oreos are so good, but let me go on this ride. You know the ride's going to make you puke, and that's what's going to happen at SummerSlam. <laughs> yes. It's just like that car accident that you're like, oh, shit, I can't look away. But, like, it hasn't happened yet, but you can see the car that's coming. The drunk driver, like, three blocks away, is just going to smash into that fucking kid on a bicycle. Or, like, you're a time traveler um, right before... Uh, I almost said Paul White. Uh, what's the guy's name from fucking uh, uh, Fast and the Furious? Paul Paul Walker. Paul Walker. Right before he crashes, be like, "Wait, don't watch out!" And he just does it anyway. And you're like, "Man, I couldn't stop it." <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about hitting an iceberg. That's that's what I was. You see, you know, it's coming. You see it coming. Mm-hmm. It's, it's too. This ship's too fucking big and cumbersome, and it's gonna hit it. <laughs> but. Now we're going to Razor Ramon versus uh, Boomhauer. Because <laughs> <laughs> this guy. You know what I mean? I talked about Jim Fortnite, man. Give me a microphone. I'm wrestling on Razor Ramon. It's like Scarface. Well, do you his know? Name? Dan. Oh. <laughs> Dan Dubel. Dubel. Dubel, I think, is how they said his name. Dan Dubel. I wrote Dan Dubel looks like Boomhauer with a mullet and a singlet. That's literally what he looks like. <laughs> I wrote this guy should be on Reno nine one one. So what you meant to say is Boomhauer should have been a, a recurring character. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. If I fucking cost me like sex shit yeah, slam. Yeah, right main right main hat. Anything you say can be in the corner one. Cutting the line with the old razor's head, man, just like he's cutting the cocaine man, dang it's good old shit. <laughs> my my favorite thing in the world since we're talking about Boomhauer, is like one just random time, if you pay attention, he, he always brings like random philosophical shit, just like one-liners. And one time he's talking to somebody, I think about suicide or what happens after they die, and he goes, I don't know, man, all those things, this is crazy, man, you know, mean life's 42. Just fucking makes a, a reference to Hitchhiker's Guide. Just out of fucking nowhere with no context, and he just makes <laughs> move on. Like one of my favorite things about King of the Hill. But, but uh, anyway. There's so many good things about that show. Oh, it's great, but it's, it's my favorite Boomhauer line. It's, I mean, it last four two. So, <laughs> Razor gets Boomhauer in the corner, and he chops him a few times. And he doesn't sell it at all. And I know it pisses Vince off, because uh, uh, Cornette said on his podcast, one of the things that Vince fucking hates that people will do is when they get put in the corner, and they're getting, like, attacked. You know, they can either be getting struck strikes or they're choking them or they're choking them with the foot or whatever the fuck and they're just hanging onto the ropes and not moving or reacting any and I was like he got pissed right there it pissed me off too because it looked fucking fake Mm. (laughs) so so I think Razor peeled him out of the corner as hard as he could on purpose because he wouldn't fucking sell (laughs) (laughs) sandbagging some bitch that's what it looked like he tossed that fucking guy two thirds of the way across the ring he went from Boomhauer to Dale mid-match. He's in pocket <laughs> sand. <laughs> yeah. 
And then he had a fall uh, yeah. slam, and he, he stomps the shit out of him for a while, and he puts him in the abdominal stretch and a couple other holds, and he fucks with him a little bit. And then Razor does the back superplex, which was nah, – I think he could have just pinned him off of that. But, no, he has to hit the Razor's edge for three. Yes. Squash. Yeah, squash. And my favorite part in the beginning is like, you know, when he was heel, like he'd be like, don't fucking lose my chains. And then he'll like throw his uh, toothpick really hard. This time he just smiles and says, don't lose it. And then he like, and he lightly throws his toothpick. <laughs> so that's when you know when he's face. He's, yeah. like, he's like, don't lose it, you little scamp. That's what I was getting ready to say. This is Razor's first match after turning baby face. Mm-hmm. And it's a great example of a turn because he's done very little in terms of changing his demeanor and his behavior. Little goes a long way. It's just little subtle things. When he hands the guy's chains, Chico, he's like, be careful with that, man. It, it, rem- <laughs> it, it reminds me when I used to work at a grocery store, we used to have this, like, ex-felon or whatever, and, like, he was the nicest dude to talk to. But once you cross his path, like, he turns fucking violent and shit and, like, angry. And I go... So that so I I, I jokingly because he watched wrestling and I said so this is your face gimmick and that other what I saw is he's like yeah <laughs> I'm more of a heel when I'm a dick I'm like good man don't kill no one but good man <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he killed anybody so there's a quick SummerSlam report but it's not no new information is given to us it's just me and Gene going over the card again. Giant Gonzalez is making me sick, but yeah. <laughs> Just wait. Mm. <laughs> uh, then we get the Heavenly Bodies with Jim Cornette against Bobby Who and Mike Bucci. Bucci. Yeah. It, <laughs> Jim's in the ring already. And he's like, the, the, this, these are the objects of every American woman's lust. The <laughs> Heavenly Bodies. That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> and then they come out and then like you got dr tom and he's got the big hair he has a luxurious mane of hair dr topper and he's always fucking yeah. fluffing it and i don't blame him it's a good heel uh, gimmick i love it, it. Is a good heel gimmick. i think only one man a century could have hair like that for real <laughs> and then jimmy del rey though is what gets me because jimmy del rey Looks like the sleaziest motherfucker you'd ever see. He's just like this ginger dude. He looks like a fucking redneck from Tennessee who thinks he's hot shit. He's got like a ginger mullet and like a little fucking asshole mustache. And he does this wiggle. He's got this little dance move where he does like this fucking wiggle thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's fucking hilarious. You just gotta see it. (laughs) But, uh, and then the match starts, and uh, Vince references really quickly that Cornette had an ordeal in Beckley, West Virginia, recently, which was real. <laughs> like, Smoky Mountain had a show there, and then, like, there was a fan altercation where he attacked a fan for attacking him. He whacked the dude with the tennis racket. It's, it, it happens. <laughs> That sounds about right in Beckley, West Virginia. It's it's back in my stomping ground. It's like an hour from my hometown. Yeah, it's a couple hours away from me. Uh, like mm-hmm. I think about three. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, but it's like two, two and a half from Huntington. Yeah. 
Like, uh, there was a big incident, though. It caused the police to get involved, and there was a lawsuit, actually. And that whole case is actually in the textbooks for, like, prospecting lawyers to study for the bar exam. That's one of the fucking case studies in there. Is the incident in Beckley, West Virginia, for smoking out wrestling, where Jim Cornette hit a guy in the head with a fucking tennis racket. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Anyway, Dr. Doctor Tom starts out with who, and he hits like a slick blind tag real quick where Tom shoots the guy off, and then Jimmy comes in, and the guy's watching Dr. Tom coming off the ropes, and Jimmy Del Rey comes in, super kicks him in the back of the fucking head, and then he just hits a DDT off of him stumbling forward. Dr. Tom catches him, DDTs him. I was like, oh, shit. This is <laughs> pretty cool. This is new tag style. In, in WWF, in my opinion, because it had a different flow than what we used to see. Because usually we see the Steiners, and then we saw Money, Inc. It's usually like Pound Town, pretty much. Not not in a gay way, by the way, but Pound Town in a, uh, you know, beating the shit out of each other. This it's one okay it, if you want to go to Pound Town. That's what you want to do. Yeah, that's fine. If you, if, if you want to, if you want to do that, it's fine. I don't care. I just like to say it that way. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I just love that it, it felt silky smooth. It kind of felt like uh, Too Cold Scorpio and uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell a little bit. Yeah. Well, those guys wrestle uh, what uh, Cornette would call Southern style, I guess, which the tag team wrestling they would do in the Southern territories tended to be more like that, unless you were like a Road Warriors team or something. Mm. Uh, probably argue that's how you know, the brain busters would work. Like, whoever Arn was tagging with, they'd kind of work like that, too. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Paul Roma and you're awkward as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Del Rey works over Who for a bit. He hits some good punches, and he shoots Who off. And he hits, like, a great float over DDT. That, that's the first time I've seen somebody do that before The Rock does it. Yeah. I'm sure somebody does it like in the eighties or something that I don't know about, or even earlier, but that's the earliest I've seen it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he drags his dweeb to the corner and makes him tag out. <laughs> <laughs> they beat on Bucci for a bit. And then Jimmy tags Dr. Tom and he shoots Bucci off and they hit a sidewalk slam and Dr. Tom drops the knee. He does an examination on his face with his fucking knee. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Tom hits some chops. Jimmy gets back in. They hit a double suplex. And the camera cuts to Cornette out on the floor. And he's, like, yelling about the Steiners. And he's calling them cowards and shit. And then he, like, he's, like, he's yelling at the crowd. And then he turns back around to face the ring. And he get, he yells, oh, my God. And, like, he cuts back to the ring. <laughs> and you see Jimmy Del Rey's perched on the top rope, facing back, his back's facing the opponent. And Tom's holding him up. And he hits a moonsault on this guy and pins him for three. Yeah. That was Damn. sick. That was really sick. I loved his reaction, too. He's just like, oh, my God. Like, he knew what was about to happen, and he thought it was, like, the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. He sold it. He sold it really well. The way he pinned him was like a fucking boss, too. It's like he just he totally, like, rolled through, rolled the guy up, and was just like, yeah, like, he flexed and shit. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Squash. They didn't, hit a, they didn't hit a lick of offense. It was a squash. Mm-hmm. Um, Cornette grabs the mic after the match. He calls out the Steiners again. And then he ends it with, why don't you people quit hanging around and freeloading and get a job? And he's fucking <laughs> <in>. <laughs> 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 
impossible <laughs> bumps. <laughs> oh goddamn! Uh, well, fun to- fact for you. Oh, oh go ahead, finish. Hey, you're good. Finish. I think you're done. Uh, yeah. So it, there's just a couple things that are left. It's just building up the show for next week. Nothing else happens here. Okay. Uh, it's they show that there's going to be a show before SummerSlam called the SummerSlam Spectacular. It's like the day before SummerSlam. Uh-huh. It shows Yokozuna is going to face Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and then the Steiner Brothers are going to face Money Inc. And I'm like, and I don't Steel know. Cage. It's Steel Cage. I forgot about that yeah. part. Steel Cage. So Steel Cage. I don't know if that's going to be on the network. I got to check. I'll find it if I find it. Like on like how I used to watch uh, our shows on YouTube. Sometimes they would put the match on there. If I find it, I'll I'll post it and we'll talk about it. Yeah, we might modify our schedule to include it if mm. we can find it. Uh, yeah. Then we get told that next week we're going to have a special interview with Giant Gonzalez. Uh. And hopefully Harvey Whippleman will be doing the talking. <laughs> and Ludwig Borga will be debuting. And I'm like, Joy, I don't know if you fucking know Ludwig Borga or you remember him, but he's boring as shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I see here that Men on a Mission are also coming back. And I'm like, okay, you're getting me back. And then it was IRS versus El Matador. I'm like, okay, that might be okay. I mean, I like I like uh, Tito Santana. You ready for this? I see this. It says that they're, they they tease it. But then it, in quotes, it says never happened. So I'm guessing the IRS-El Matador match actually gets canceled. Maybe. I think IRS is injured. So it yeah. was possible. he's like, my, my elbow hurts. I don't want to wear at work. And they're just like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, one, two, three, kid versus Ted DiBiase. And I'm like, they wow, they pretty much laid out all of next week's episode just right there, which is very unusual for them to do. They're on a mission. On a mission. What That's was your fun fact, by the way, Chaz? Oh, so uh, yes, uh, Mr. Uh, what was his name? Bucci. Mike Bucci. Bucci. I don't know if you guys recognize him or not, but I just only know because it, it came up here. Apparently, he went on later to become Nova, and then Simon Dean. You guys remember that? Oh, oh my god! That, comes out, that fucking was like everybody work out. I'm the best. I'm the I'm the best trainer, and people had to beat him up. Like, yeah. So that's that's who that guy is. Makes sense. Yeah. Then saw Richard Simmons and hated him, and thought he could make a gimmick out of somebody. It's it's literally <laughs> what it is. He was like, I bet I can make people fucking hate this guy as much as I hate the real one. And it kind of worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was it, he. It was definitely something people wanted to see. Um, they wanted to see him get punched in the face, so it did work. Um, these are my final notes about this one. The Lex Luger interview series, I don't think it's helping. No. But it seems to be over in spite of that. It's causing a lot of uh, activated uh, people. It's activated people. Uh, would you say that it's causing a lot of unnecessary or ruthless aggression? Yes. Possibly. And it uh, injects the poison in me. <laughs> a lethal dose of poison. <laughs> the bushwhackers and the midget stuff pissed me off. Yeah. The signing and the reveal of Jim Cordette being Yokozuna, Mr. Fuji's spokesperson helped. It, it helped offset those feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heavenly Bodies are a solid tag team. I'm looking forward to this match with the Steiners and seeing more of them and uh, Jim Cornette on my TV. Uh, overall, it's a meh-ish show, unfortunately, because of some things. Yeah. I guess Four point seven out of ten. Ooh, you you were you were actually uh, lower than me. Um, I thought the show was 
okay in the beginning and then when it hit the bushwhackers i was like no why uh and then the lex luger i was like oh my god um stop talking uh and then i was like <laughs> razor ramon uh i was like cool i mean that's a cool squash on how he won uh yeah. The Jim Cornette thing is what saved it for me. Uh, and I like that the Heavenly Bodies are with Jim Cornette here. Uh, can't wait to see them face the Steiners if that's coming up. Um, and trying to think what else. And I, 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 I gave them points for like hyping up for next week because they did a lot of hyping at the end, probably because the show was shit. Uh, I give it a 5.75 out of 10. Whoa. Listen, I hate the Bushwhackers a lot. Mm. And, like, the first, the opening match didn't help matters because it was just kind of, eh, mm -hmm. just there, you know? Have we ever talked about the Bushwhackers? We have, but not with you. Mm. Okay. See, so, man, boy, it's a hot take. Now, my opinions of them now have changed, nostalgia aside. Just like, because going back and watching, it does not age well at all. But when I was a little kid, I fucking loved the Bushwhackers. But not in the way that I like other wrestlers. I just thought they were goofy. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I grew up, I was like, well, that's really fucking stupid. Like, versus, like, I have nostalgia for other wrestlers, so I get it now why you'd hate them. But, yeah, I, I, I used to, I had their little action figures, and I was like, nur, nur, nur. I remember doing that shit when I was a kid. Uh, now, when I say kid, I mean, like, four or five. I just thought that I was more of a macho man, obviously. Uh, Bushwhackers, I always thought they were fucking weird. Uh, even when I was a kid, uh, I kind of linked them together with like Backstreet Boys and and Sync. Uh, I'm not... <laughs> and I. What? <laughs> That's like they're two different. Like... Exactly, but I linked them into <laughs> one word. That's three count. No easy W. That's later. <laughs> Listen, I listen. My childhood was fucked up because back when were you introduced to the bushwhackers? I'm still trying to figure out. What I'm trying to get at is because I remember in the '90s, like if 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 you were a boy that liked NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, you were gay. Uh, yeah. So I just linked them to to the NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. That's how I'm fucked up. Uh, if you like the bushwhackers, you're gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. you, show, you show him that video of Ice T like not gay. That means no, you're gay. It means you're gay if you like the bushwhackers. <laughs> See, I guess I, I didn't have a problem with that. I was a kid. I, I was like, because I totally did the same thing. I was like, oh yeah, you must be gay if you if you like this. It's like nope. I just I think it sounds good. I like it. And then I just I hung out with girls, and it turns out later that was a, a lot easier way to like move on and actually date and all that other stuff. But, I have relationships with boy bands and sex with the bushwhackers. Well, that means you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> sex, with, sex with the bushwhackers? That sounds like you're fucking masochist. That's what that sounds like. Sounds rough. Sounds like a it lot does. of biting in uh, their mind. <laughs> I was just like, oh, a biter. I don't... Yeah, exactly. Licking and biting and nugging. Nugging. Oh, uh, oh my. Oh, my. <laughs> Anal uh, bleeding from the nugget. Anal bleeding. <laughs> Anal nugget. <laughs> Anal nugget. Oh, no. 
Oh, God. Oh, goodness. My Google search history is going to look fucking weird tonight. <laughs> um, any any final thoughts before we move on? Or end the show, I should say? Um, No. I think uh, I was trying to pull up what was next. So we can talk about that unless you happen to have it up. I don't have Hold on. I'll bring it up real quick. Ah, oh, goddammit, fucking Google Docs. You had to move. I was trying to click on Bret Hart, you fuck. Uh, there we go. Okay, sounds like you beat me. Man, this time I'll make sure to watch everything I'm supposed to watch. Oh, yeah. Homework. I got homework for Chaz here. Um, Shit. You got to watch this episode. You don't need to go, uh, uh, you know, match for match. Just pick out your best, and if you agreed or disagreed with us. Uh, oh sure, I, I plan. Yeah, I plan on going back. If anything, just to watch the cornet stuff and then to watch the uh, uh, Heavenly Bodies match, and then also to 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 maybe get reactivated by Lex Luger. Oh, <laughs> so we actually do have a WCW Clash of Champions. Um, so we have actually no, I lied. I lied. I'm sorry. I'm a fucking liar. I went ahead a week. Uh, actually, no, I'm... God damn it! Fuck. Fuck your life! Bing bong! Uh, I'm trusting you to do this! <laughs> August 16th, Monday Night Raw, and then August 18th is Clash of Champions for WCW. Yeah. So, so we get a little, a little taste of WCW, at least, for this month. And uh, I... It is gonna be a, a pay-per-view or whatever their... Whatever special that they had in the middle of the week. Special. Yeah. yeah. It's like when Tony Khan tries to do the battle of belts or whatever the fuck. So we're going to have three hours of wrestling. So if any news does happen, we're going to be spilling it into big trouble. Andy's just going to have to fucking bite the bullet and listen to us talk wrestling. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think we're going to end the the raw dogging for tonight because of anal bleeding. Um, So... If you want to catch more getting some color, make sure you go on all podcast services like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, your mother's ass. Uh, and also, if you want to watch Big Trouble Podcast, what is the next Dracula movie? It's uh, Dra- Universal Studios Dracula from 1931 with Bela Lugosi and featuring other genetic defects that nobody cares about. Genetic Yeah. <laughs> Remember to watch that and then uh, listen to us on Tuesday. But until next time, everybody, remember to get some color. Bye.